Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Less than a week after he was shot and wounded at a gas station while responding to a call, Florida police officer Adam Jobbers Miller has tragically succumbed to his injuries. Miller's killer, Wisner Desmarais, as you may remember from our coverage last week, came to this country from Haiti when he was nine years old. He had managed to escape conviction in the past, but now ICE has filed an immigration detainer hold on him. Inexplicably, the city of Philadelphia just announced that they will no longer grant ICE access to arrest databases like the one Desmarais was actually discovered on. Here to debate this is Claude Arnold, a former ICE special agent in charge of L.A., and immigration attorney Alan Orr. Um, uh, in uh, Wisner Desmarais' case, you know, he came here as a visitor. Uh, the family applied for asylum, the information I have. It was denied. He, they were put in removal proceedings. He was ordered deported. Uh, but then, out of the generosity of this country after the earthquake in Haiti, they were granted uh, temporary protected status, um, and you know, to show his gratitude, he killed one of our heroes in blue. Now, um, his status had ended, so he should have been removed from the country. An immigrant in the country illegally, accused of killing a Florida police officer, making his first appearance in court on Monday. The suspect allegedly shot 29-year-old Fort Myers police officer Adam Jobbers Miller in the head, and he later died of his injuries. Wisner Desmarais has an extensive criminal history and was reportedly released just days before the attack under the supervision of the county's pre-trial services program. So is our system completely broken? Let's bring in Charlotte County bail bondsman and the president of the Florida Bail Agents Association, Matt Jones. Matt, thanks for being here this morning. So uh, we'll put a little bit of information about Des uh, Wisner Desmarit here. He's a 29-year-old native of Haitia. He's got a history of mental health issues. He was held by ICE twice, criminal history of burglary, grand theft, weapons charges, and resisting arrest. Yet he overstayed his visa, so was in the country illegally, yet released... How do things like this happen? In this case, tragically led to the death of a police officer. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 5th of August, year of our Lord, 2018. And that, once again, is an illegal that killed an American. But the media just doesn't care. They don't care. And that's why I started it off. Because there's plenty of that. Plenty of that. Portland police refused to help ICE agents who called 911 getting attacked by the Antifa mobs that are the fascist resistance members. Ignored him. Didn't come in. CBS skips own report about a robbery where they are the ones that found out they were all illegals. They never said the word illegals. But the most important one to start off our show is about the crime that's in our country that the media wants to ignore. It's not an illegal in this case. The individual's Brandon Jackson. But it's Kristen Richmond's Facebook post. And I want to cover it really quick. Because this is what our officers have to deal with all the time. And for some reason, our media doesn't seem to care. They say that, uh, you know, all, all officers, black, pink, doesn't matter. They're all fucking racist. They're out lynching gay people and black people and just doing horrible stuff. That's what they say 
every freaking time there's a shooting. So, in her post, she covers what happened to her. It's probably one of the rawest posts, all right. It's not for glory or any of that shit. I debated posting anything, but in doing so, my hope is that the serves as a swift kick in the ass to a lot of cops. Early this morning, I found myself in a full-out fight with a 5'11", 195 collegiate male athlete who was gooned up on an unknown drug. He was. It was me and him for about five minutes during said altercation. My glasses were shattered and knocked off my face. None of my radio transmissions got out, and a ton of equipment was stripped from my vest and duty belt. I managed to stay in the fight and maintain some control despite exchanging punches and knees with the subject. I secured one of the subject's hands and cuffs and maintained that grip throughout the majority of the fight. I also released my canine partner, and she did exactly what she was trained to do. However, all the bites, punches, knees, baton strikes did nothing to deter this guy. He wasn't there. The drug had consumed every part of him. After about five minutes of fighting, my partners finally found us due to lack of comms. And after several more minutes of fighting, we were able to secure him in cuffs ending the fight. The following saying comes to mind. Sometimes I had a bad day means that I almost didn't make it home. While fighting with this guy, he reached for my duty weapon. Given the circumstances, full details are not being disclosed in this post. Deadly force was warranted, and I was probably getting close to the last result. Thankfully, I did not reach that point. And then she goes on to talk about training. Because she works out, she pulled it off. But this is just not a, a one-off. This happens every day on our streets. Most Americans know it. Liberal Americans ignore it. In line with it, I find non-citizens across the U.S. find it's easy to register. Numerous people, not Latino, by the way, have gone to the San Francisco Election Commission and go, I'm not even a citizen, but the motor voter registered them. Yeah. Motor voter registered them. And then, of course, we have ICE. Mr. Albans, would you send your child to FRCs? Again, I think we're, we're, we're missing the point. These individuals are there because they have broken a law. There has to be a process. They have broken a law only as deemed so by the president with his... No, ma'am. They're, they're there for violation of Title Eight of the immigration of the U.S. and nationality. Okay, they're 8 U.S.C. 1325. That's illegal entry. is both a criminal and civil violation. They are in those FRCs pending the outcome of that civil immigration process. They have broken the law. Well, these are mainly, my, my understanding is that uh, under the zero tolerance, no longer civil, civil proceedings, but in fact, were criminal proceedings. They were both, so? they were criminal proceedings when the Border Patrol prosecuted them, but at the conclusion of that process, once the individual came into ICE custody, they would go through administrative proceedings. I'm confused. Okay. We, so the, 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 the border. Let's be very uh, so clear. To answer the question, I can't wait to search no, your genealogy and see if you have any <laughs> illegal immigration in your family child. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You've never once asked me if I'm for open borders. You've never once asked me but that. That's, and at least don't want it, I have clearly, the decency not clearly, to continue to repeat clear, myself. Clearly, you don't want to in enforce our. Clearly, you don't want to enforce the the border laws because that's why I've said that. Uh, no, what I don't want to enforce is your president's nonsense. That's what I don't want to. Come on, man. You guys know that this policy is ass backwards. Plain and simple. You guys know this policy is inhumane. Plain and simple. Like, if you just take yourselves out of it for just a moment, take off the lenses of bigotry for just a moment, and imagine okay, if so this now, was now happening, we're getting, now we're happening to the kids. Okay, so now we're getting into the name calling? Um, yes, we are. 
I'm calling this okay, this process, great. this this procedure is absolutely based on bigotry and fear mongering. If you don't understand that your your president announced his campaign by talking my, about building a wall to keep he's our president, your president Angela. keeping he's the, he's no, it's not mine, not mine. United's, I'll never, oh, I will never you, claim a bigot ever. Are you? Ever. Are you are, now let me are, just are finish Canadian, because I know you're you, off on a red herring. Are, are, I know you're you off Canadian on a red hearing because you're losing the debate. So let me just finish this point for you. He started no, Angela, his, his you campaign. People, you're rude. Come on, you dude. Call, I'm not, I'm not screaming. The only person that's rude is you right. because you're so afraid for me to get to the comma because the debate ends at the comma, dog. This is over. You have nothing to add except for asking me if I'm Canadian. And no, I'm not. I wish I could tell you where from Africa my ancestors came from, at least part of them. But I wouldn't know because the same bigots who are bringing, who are sending people back away from their children are the ones who brought my ancestors here on well, the then, then where? Congratulations. I mean, and I wonder how many evangelicals and family value folks, uh, however you define that, are worried about the children and are also worried about the fact that we had to bleep the President of the United States at a public rally uh, because of profanity today. Maybe we didn't have to. Let's talk about that later. <laughs> Turning now, of course, to the effort to reunify migrant families separated at the border with our thanks to them, Michael and Charlie. The Trump administration is today trying to shirk the responsibility to reunite more than 500 children still in government custody. MSNBC's Jacob Soboroff, who has been on top of this border crisis from the very beginning, has the latest from a court filing, I believe. Jacob? Yeah, that's right, Andrew. We got a court filing that came in uh, late last night uh, from both the ACLU, the parties in this case, and the Trump administration. The first thing I want to do is give you an update uh, on the numbers. Remember, 2,551 children overall were separated from their parents by the Trump administration in this systematic way that had never been done before. As of yesterday during this filing, 572 of them still remain in government custody. They had been calling this category ineligible for reunification. That word does not appear in the latest court filing, but essentially that's the same group of kids that we were talking about before. We know that 410 parents from that group were deported before they were able to be reunified with their children. What is most extraordinary though, Andrea, about what we learned in this latest filing late last night is that the administration is essentially suggesting that the ACLU now go take responsibility for tracking down and reuniting these children with their families. So to say it as clearly as I can, the party that separated these children from their parents is now saying, look, we got sued. Uh, if you guys want to uh, reunite these kids, you go find them yourself and we'll do our best in helping you do that. It's pretty, it's pretty extraordinary. The last time I, I looked, we did not vote for the ACLU to be running the government or DHS or anything else in this country. I think we voted for Donald Trump. And he's that's, that, that's exactly right. I tie this in up front because it goes with what liberals think. And they think ICE, as you see with Portland, is an evil entity. The first soundbite was an actual representative is clueless. But yeah, let's abolish ICE. The second one's a CNN guest that says ICE is like slave traders. I mean, what the fuck? And lastly, the MSNBC soundbite, where they lie. It's a complete false story. It's not true. They knew it wasn't true, but they went to air with it. Because that's what they want to do. So, you know, there's our ICE. We have another fire, a lighter fair segment where we'll have these uh, protesters get up there and, and you'll see what it's really about. And I put it in lighter fair because I think it's funny. Some uh, Facebook stuff, because uh, we got a full show with a lot of 
bias today. We got some Acosta meltdowns. We got a, a a new hire at the New York Times. It's a racist piece of fucking shit. We got 3D guns. Yeah, we got stuff. So I put the stuff up front. Um, Facebook's discovery about the latest wave of Russian bots, and the problem is. They were pushing abolish ICE. They weren't saying go Trump. But you're you're not going to hear that on your news. They didn't really cover because they didn't care. Then we find out a Russian a spy has been employed for over a decade, and basically, that's Obama, folks. There's a Chinese spy that was found on Feinstein's staff. But remember, we we had our democracy hacked. It looks like a lot of bad shit happened under Obama and nobody wants to put the blame on him. And then we got to get the hate. We, we always start with explicit hate up front. And this is Charlie Kirk. He's a wannabe state representative. He wants to run for office out there. And his name's not Charlie Kirk. It's, I, I fucked up. It's Mark Roberts. But Charlie Kirk put out something that I think I would have put in the stat of the day if it wasn't for what it, what, what this is about. Did you know there are 39 fewer staffs dedicated to the First Lady of the United States than under Obama? There are only five staff members dedicated to Melania Trump and 44 for Obama. 44 people were on the government payroll so Obama could, Obama's wife could have nice biceps. I don't know what else she did because everything else everybody fucking hated, including the kids that didn't like her lunch programs. So this guy comes out and he goes, Did you know the First Lady works by the hour? Think dirty. Hobag. Laura Ingram, why has Jack not taken this tweet down and suspended the account? Mark Roberts, let the donations begin in 3-2-1. And that's why he did it. That's how far left the base of the Democrats have gone. You can call Melania Trump a hoebag. Can't call anybody else a hoebag. Can't call Democrats a hoebag. Can't talk about guys dressed in dresses that say they're transgender can't call them hobags but you can call the 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 president's wife a hobag because you know it's trump and all and then this jim women 25 rammed a man's jeep with a car and labeled him a racist wait for it because he had a trump bumper sticker chloe wright 25 has pled not guilty to charges of assault with a dangerous weapon, vandalizing property and leaving the scene of property damage. Wright is accused of intentionally hitting a man's SUV because it was adorned with a Trump sticker. Owner of the SUV said Wright called him a racist and hurled expletives after him after he told her he had voted for Donald Trump. Wright was arrested on open warrant a month after the June 30 incident in Hyannis, Massachusetts. Yeah. She just asked, "Do you did you vote for Trump? And then she rammed him. In Oklahoma, didn't make news, but it made front of the paper out there. Trump attack foiled. Oklahoma man drove here with loaded gun, police said. They caught him. Voicemail threatening Steve Scalise leads to arrest. Voicemail said, we're going to feed them lead. Make no mistake, you will pay. Carlos Bayon, 63, of Grand Island, was charged with interstate communication of a threat. Of the Louisiana congressman. Didn't make the news. Didn't hear that, did you? Over in Spain, 74-year-old British tourist violently sexually attacked and robbed by Muslim migrant. And he was a guy. 
And our last one, DNC refuses to play RNC in annual softball game because the RNC is so bad, or more that they they're so hungry for power, they're afraid of they show they're compromising and playing a softball game. People won't vote for them. That's the Democratic Party right now. We've gone from Mitch McConnell. My job is to make sure Barack Obama doesn't get elected, which is normal politics, to we won't even be seen with these people because our base is so rabidly hateful of the rest of the country. I want to garner their votes. And it only begins. Let's go to Fire for Effect, where it gets worse. Mr. President, if there is no collusion, Mr. President, if there is no collusion, why does Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani keep saying there is no crime in collusion? Mr. President, Mr. President, do you think other countries, Mr. President, do you think other countries should allow children to stay with their parents if they come in illegally? Come on, Jim. Go. We're done. closed out the month of July without holding a briefing for reporters today. That means the White House has held only three briefings for the press this month and eight total since the end of May. There is no other way to describe what the White House is doing right now. Wolf, the White House, uh, from the president on down, they are hiding from the press. Uh, and Wolf, we should point out, over the last hour or so, uh, this crowd has been uh, very rowdy, uh, coming after us, telling us to go home. But Wolf, we're not going home. We're going to stay right here at this rally and do the news, report on this rally coming up tonight. Wolf. Good for you. Uh, thanks very much. That's exactly uh, what you're supposed to be doing in a country that appreciates a free press. Uh, Jim Acosta on the scene for us in Tampa. We got a lot to unpack there. First and foremost, that is Costa getting yelled at. He tweeted, the audio is a pretty good example of the White House aides, also known as press wranglers, are almost screaming as reporters are trying to ask questions. It was all we're supposed to get out. Judge Perino's of all the incidents we're going to talk about goes, I got thrown off a building and this guy's complaining. Yeah. James Wood. Dear Jim, of course the press is not the enemy of the people. Unbiased, honest, responsible journalism is a bulwark of free society. Vain, narcissistic, biased, blathering is not journalism. You are, sir, are not a journalist. But you are the enema of the people. <laughs> David Schuster, hey Jim, the job of true journalists is not to be sad or happy about what happens in a press briefing room. It's to ask questions and report facts about what's said, not said. Your feelings, antics, and self-promotion are hurting journalism. Ken Dillian, what was I saying earlier about Trump's pet media? I actually called on the Daily Caller. Daily Caller. Chuck Todd, when confronted, talked about Bigfoot erotica. I'm not even going into it. So we break down. It's first, he gets harassed at... A fucking Trump rally where they just said, CNN sucks. 
He gets kicked out because the press briefing's over. And before we end this segment, he gets an argument with Sarah Sander trying to get her to say the, the press isn't the enemy of the people. But we see who these people are through all this. Chuck Todd, oh please, they're a news organization and troll farms. So the Daily Caller is troll farms. Back TTYS, political director of NBC trying to delegitimize a media outlet. Seems kind of newsworthy. Don't tell Chuck that Caitlin Collins used to work there. A lot of people did from NBC. Another tweeter. Also, Caitlin Collins literally used to work at the Daily Caller. Does that make her a troll farm reporter? The hypocrisy from you people is astonishing. Chuck's mad because conservative-leaning news organizations are being let in the room. Funny criticism from a guy that, along with David Gregory, has completely ruined a long-running news franchise. It belongs on MSDNC at this point. Totally biased and shameless about it. What are the odds Brian Seltzer will include this attack on the free press in the next edition of the newsletter? None. Then why all this is going on and the gnashing of teeth? Because the, the news is being booed by Americans now. Not just the vets, Americans. Politico writer sneers. Trump hick voters don't have a full set of teeth. His exact tweet. If you put everyone's mouth together in this video, you get a full set of teeth. Then he tried to apologize. And then after apologizing, oh no, I made fun of garbage people jeering at another person as they falsely accuse them of lying and flipping them off. Someone fetch a fainting count. Yeah. But that was just the beginning. Brian Schatz, an actual representative, we have no equivalent to the dark carnival that is Trump rally. This is not a thing on the left. We just argue, argue about healthcare and climate and sometimes we litigate 2016. We were not actually out of our minds. Here, here's the reality. Obama's rallies, he started this. This is what Obama did for eight years. He didn't govern, he politicked for eight years. He went up, he got on a goddamn fucking stage and he politicked and said don't go them motherfuckers you're gonna go in the ditch get on your house coat and your slippers and go out and protest he created black lives matter for fuck's sake so people took this guy to task chuck todd at all called cancer patients nazis over a haircut hyperventilating yet that million of people will die over shit like net neutrality, call every Republican a child murderer with blood on their hands. Yeah, there's nothing like it while you're out wearing a pink vagina on your head. Another tweeted, Trumpers getting beaten photos. Women march speakers of vagina suit. This is nonsense, somebody says. It wasn't Republicans burning cars during the inauguration week. A Bernie Sanders campaign volunteer tried to assassinate an entire baseball field full of congressional Republicans. But please continue. Another, Occupy Movement, Antifa, BLM, police assassinations, threatening and harassing of government officials at their homes and dining, shooting government officials at baseball practices. Yes, it's a thing on the left. Actual violence from the left. Maxine Waters held a rally and called on leftists to harass public officials. That was the left. Then there was another one, and Jim Acosta it keeps going to these rallies, keeps getting booing. 
Just a sample of the sad scene we face at the Trump rally in Tampa. I'm very worried that the hostility whipped up by Trump and some of the conservative media will result in somebody getting hurt. We should not treat our fellow Americans this way. The press is not the enemy. Ben Shapiro, agree, now do Berkeley. He never will. He went on a tangent on this all day. Another snapshot for Tampa rally. I tried to take a picture with the father and his daughter while people yelled, CNN sucks in my face. I'm sorry that the little girl had to see that. Oh, the children. Comfortably smug. The best thing is that no matter how much Acosta tries to make himself a heroic martyr for journalism, CNN won't give him his own show. They just sent him to another rally to get shit on. <laughs> He continues, Jim Acosta. One of the surprising things I heard tonight in Tampa is Trump supporters saying I should be I should be on their team. Anybody remember when we were all on the same team? I do. And it begins from the right. Sure, if we refer to journalists and team means Obama side. Dear diary, how I missed the eight years I spent cheering Team Obama. 2015, Hillary Clinton said the enemy she was proudest to have made was Republicans. But somehow Jim Acosta thinks we're all holding hands and saying kumbaya. This is especially coming from CNN. It's some of the biggest bullshit I've ever heard. You've never been on the same team. Nobody has, so stop acting like it. And Mark Hemingway. This is bad, and it's alarming that people dislike the media this much. On the other hand, I do wish media organizations were remotely self-reflective about why they're so disliked and tried to address it instead of acting so defensive. The vibe of Acosta video is almost like when a villain comes out of the ring at the WWE match. They hoot, but it's almost theater. I find it hard to generate much sympathy for him. Acosta wouldn't keep it classy even in North Korea when the seemingly impossible was happening. He's just writing his, this check with his mouth for months. He isn't just distrusted, he's disliked by some potential customers. Yeah. Another person. Folks booing, shouting, traitor, and you're a liar sounds just like about every CNN and MSDNC show when talking about Trump supporters and Trump himself. And that's so true. Another person, Venn diagram of people freaking out over Jim Acosta getting yelled at, who cheered when mobs chased women from the Trump administration from restaurants and theaters. And you knew the media was going to jump on this. This soundbite is so good. We have Wolf and Todd and Ryan. Wolf, a call to fucking arms. Do you think that rhetoric is necessary since the left's the only one that's shot people? Huh? And then Todd, we don't take physical action. We just tell you to shut the fuck up and we don't watch your show. But he's saying it's physical now. And then April Ryan, ratcheting it up to try to get a fucking Pulitzer. His life was in danger because people yell at him. Hey, you know, while you don't cover the news, you three fucking moon bats, Trump supporters are actually harmed every day in this country. Just for having a shirt, a hat, or a bumper sticker. Jim, we've seen your, your videos, and I've, I've been to these events, too. I've met with countless yep. Trump supporters. Even I was shocked at the level of vitriol that was aimed your way last night. Give us an idea yep. of what it felt like to be in the middle of it. 
Well, Essie, I mean, honestly, it felt like we weren't in America anymore. Uh, I, I don't know how to put it uh, any more plainly than that. Uh, Americans should not be treating their fellow Americans in this way. Uh, but unfortunately, what we've seen, and this has been building for some time since the campaign, I've been, I've been talking about this as an issue since the campaign, when the president uh, during the campaign referred to us as the dishonest media, the disgusting news media, liar, scum, and thieves, and so on, and then he rolled that right into uh, the Oval Office and started calling us fake news and the enemy of the people. Uh, he is whipping these crowds up into a frenzy uh, to the point where they, they really want to come after us. And, we, you know, we have these these bike rack-like uh, barriers around the press cage, as we call it, uh, to protect us, essentially, from people who might take things too far. My, my sense of it, Essie, is that the, that these opinions that these folks have at these rallies, they're shaped by what they see in the primetime hours of Fox News and what they hear from some conservative news outlets that just sort of give them this uh, daily diet of what they consider to be terrible things that we do over here uh, at CNN. It's mm. very unfortunate, but it's, it's, it's a pitting of American against American, yeah. and honestly, it needs to stop. Last night you tweeted, uh, I'm very worried that the hostility whipped up by, by Trump and some in the conservative media will result in somebody getting hurt. We should not mm. treat our fellow Americans this way. The press is not the enemy. Um, you know, Trump's been bashing the media for a while now. What makes you think... It's at this sort of uh, pivot point now, this really dangerous pivot point. Well, I, you know, I think it's been dangerous for some time. I was worried during the campaign mm. that a journalist was going to get hurt. Yeah. And it, it has been building. Uh, but when you refer to the members of the press as the enemy of the people, you're essentially putting targets on our backs. Mm -hmm. And this kind of unfocused, visceral anger at the other side are really neutral people like folks in the press corps it can lead to this look according to today's washington post president trump has made four thousand two hundred twenty nine false or misleading claims in five hundred fifty eight days in office it's an average of seven point six a day this is not normal we shouldn't be in the business of just shrugging our shoulders and normalizing it. We'll be right back. Trump is debasing our press on a regular basis and telling people it's fake and it's um, metastasizing around the world. This year, Egypt, Vietnam, Belarus, 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 Belarus. Malaysia, Pakistan, and others have passed laws and fined news outlets after accusing them of spreading false information. And then you read about people who live in Canada and who live in France, etc., who are afraid that this president is so out of control and, and so on the wrong page about every single thing that he does every single day that they're afraid for them also. He is not just a menace in this country, is my point. Right. Okay. So, so is there a way, is there a way to change the narrative about the media. Well, I'm sorry. No, no. My, my, I was just a quick comment that I heard Jim went into the audience afterwards, which they don't have video of this, and he spoke one-on-one -on -one mm. with the people. And I think that uh, maybe on that level they can see a personalized well, they version. need to keep on doing their jobs, and that th their jobs are to report the facts. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why this president... Um, has started this war uh, against the media because he doesn't like that the truth is being reported. And I think that means that, that as journalists, you have to continue to do so. These are the acts, in my opinion, of a, of a dictator. Dictators. 
Uh, let me ask you about the president's attacks on the uh, news media here in the United States, uh, calling the news media the enemy of the American people. As you know, the new publisher of the New York Times warned the president during a private off-the-record meeting that his attacks, the president's attacks, could actually lead to violence against members of the news media. Do you believe that people could take the president's vitriol uh, as, a, as a call to arms? I definitely think they could. I've seen a lot of his supporters. They listen and believe everything that they put out. It's like James uh, Jones and they drank the Kool-Aid. And I'm afraid that he could incite them to violence. A lot of them are on the edge anyway. And it's unfortunate what he said. The free press is important to America as a bulwark of democracy and the rule of law. I think what we are increasingly seeing from the president and his aides uh, and his allies is a hate movement against the American press. Uh, some media critics like Jay Rosen have, have used this term in the past. I think when you look at the behavior uh, around Jim Acosta and some of the other reporters of these rallies, you really do see a hate movement. And what I mean by that is President Trump is not just telling people to ignore the press or not believe the press. He's really telling people to hate journalists. Uh, he's telling people that journalists are the enemy, literally the enemy of the people. He's treating the press corps as his opponent because it's convenient and it creates an enemy for him, a perceived enemy for him to attack. That really is a hate movement. And the results are what we see at these rallies. And because he's holding rallies more and more often, we are seeing it more often. And that's why reporters like Acosta are saying this is worrisome. Because she's trying to justify, trying to justify the irrational, trying to justify foolishness. Um, there was no cause for that. And she's playing to this base that listens to the president. They need this to rally behind the president because this president is embattled. So when this president is embattled, he either goes to sports and talks about the knee, or he goes to the press, or he goes to some other things that just make his base get into a frenzy and, and forget all the other stuff. That's what it is. It's a big, shiny silver ball at the detriment of a free press. That's a serious moment in a serious place. And Jim Acosta's life, in my opinion, uh, was in jeopardy that night. There was a safety issue. And, you know, she gets run out of a hen house a couple of weeks ago and gets Secret Service detail. Yeah. We don't have Jim Secret Acosta, Service detail. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And this president, this president, President Donald J. Trump, has stoked the flames for reporters to feel like they are in jeopardy, their lives, their safety is in jeopardy, their lives are in jeopardy at these rallies. Mm -hmm. And something has got to stop. Well, she gets taxpayer-funded, she gets taxpayer-funded yeah. security for something that she stokes. Yeah. But yet it's okay, it's freedom of speech for us. It is not right. But see, here's, here's the problem. And people want to listen to the now and listen to this president and be entertained by him. But they, and they talk about patriotism and, and talk about the Constitution in this country. But they forget. Before they talk about, you know, the guns, Second Amendment, there's the First Amendment that beat out the Second Amendment. The First Amendment. And within that First Amendment is freedom of the press. The Founding Fathers put into the, the Constitution this accountability piece. You know, if the checks and balances over here between the executive, legislative, and, and judicial branches don't work, you still have a press that asks questions to find out, to give transparency to a situation. It's kabuki theater. People have been saying CNN sucks since the fucking 2016. It's only news now because they hate Trump and he's riling them up. And for those that are new to the show and don't listen, no, I don't think she Trump should be still be playing this fucking card. But at the end of the day, the media is fucking horrible to him. Horrible.
He's playing to his base. It was okay for Obama to say if you vote for those people, fucking blacks will be back in chains. That's an actual statement from the Obama administration. Biden said it. Gays will no longer be able to be gay. Women will be barefoot and pregnant and never be able to abort their babies every fucking time they're irresponsible and don't use birth control. Those are the things they said. We're going to go back to McCarthyism. We're going to go back to the Stone Ages. The reason why the economy fell apart is because of Bush, even though everybody knew it was Clinton and Franny Mae and all the fucking pandering to get black votes. They let anybody walk in and get a goddamn fucking house. Granted, probably more white people that were underwater, but that was the intent. They didn't care about poor white people getting houses. They were pandering for votes. It's what the left does. So Kelly O'Donnell gets on board. Unfortunate, two guys leading chants against media two and a half hours before rally. Campaign requires media be escorted to work area. Most of us have been through more security background screenings than attendees. Oh my God. Those fucking uneducated. That was an uneducated. Chris Brennan, this this guy signed to a loud stadium cheer and prompted a CNN sucks chant at the crowd waits for Trump and Lou Beretta. But why do they suck? Well, here's here's Costa again. Hannity is a propagandist for profit, peddling lies every night. He says he's just a talk show host, not a journalist. But he's injecting poison into the nation, political bloodstream, warping public attitudes about the press. I'm confident in the long run the truth will prevail. No, you're not. You're not journalist. That's why. And things like this. Kristen Denny Todd raises cane, donates thirteen thousand dollars to Democrats. From 2017 to 18. They went back to 16 when he interviewed Kane three fucking times and never disclosed it. And she had raised $50,000 for Kane. Undisclosed for Hillary Clinton. That's why we hate you. Once again, we hated you before Trump showed up. Most of us that had our balls descend before 2000, we remember Bush. Remember what those eight years were like? After eight years of Clinton, all we found out was a cum stain on a dress and a fucking dildo cigar. We didn't know anything Clinton did. And then we watched eight years of Bush, and it's totally biased, and we're, we're catching on to every Republican president's a fucking Nazi. We watch it. So Acosta, by the end of the week, well, now he's not happy because he's not getting his way. And he tweets, I walked out at the end of the briefing because I am totally saddened by what just happened. Sarah Sander was repeatedly given a chance to say the press is not the enemy, and she wouldn't do it. It's shameful. And this is our last soundbite by Acosta. Because in this melee, I stumble on the drama of the week from a tweet from Ryan. So we're going to listen to the last Acosta drama queen bitch boy fucking soundbite. And get into the potatoes. Because right now I, I can have meat and salad because I'm on a diet. I've lost 10 pounds, but I could use some potatoes. I just wanted to follow up on, uh, on Sarah's question from NPR. She asked you about Ivanka Trump's statement that the press is not the enemy of the people. And she asked you whether or not the press is the enemy of the people. You read off a laundry list of your concerns about the press and, and things that you feel like are misreported. But you did not say that the press is not the enemy of the people. And I, I, I think it would be a good thing if you were to say right here 
uh, at this briefing that the press, the people who are gathered in this room right now, uh, doing their jobs every day, asking questions of officials like the ones you brought forward earlier, are not the enemy of the people. I, I think we... We deserve that. I think the president has made his position known. I also think it's ironic. I'm I'm trying to answer your question. I I politely waited, and I even called on you, despite the fact that you interrupted me while calling on your colleague. I said it's ironic. Which is why I interrupted. I'm trying. But if you you finish, if you would not mind letting me have a follow-up, that would be fine. It's ironic. Jim, uh, that not only you and the media attack the president for his rhetoric uh, when they frequently lower the level of conversation in this country. Repeatedly, repeatedly, the media resorts to personal attacks without any content other than to incite anger. Uh, The media has attacked me personally on a number of occasions, including your own network, said I should be harassed as a life sentence, that I should be choked. ICE officials are not welcomed in their place of worship and personal information is shared on the Internet. When I was hosted by the Correspondents Association, of which almost all of you are members of. You brought a comedian up to attack my appearance and call me a traitor to my own gender. In fact, as I know, um, I'm as far as I know, I'm the first press secretary in the history of the United States that's required Secret Service protection. The media continues to ratchet up the verbal assault against the president and everyone in this administration. And certainly we have a role to play, but the media has a role to play for the discourse in this country as well. If I may follow up, if I may follow up, excuse me, you did not say in the course of those remarks that you just made that the press is not the enemy of the people. Are we to take it from what you just said? We all get put through the ringer. We all get put in the meat grinder in this town, and you're no exception. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. I wish that that, that had not happened. But for, for the sake of this this room, the people who are in this room, this democracy, this country, all the people around the world are watching what you're saying, Sarah, and the White House for the United States of America, the President of the United States should not refer to us as the enemy of the people. His own daughter acknowledges that, and all I'm asking you to do, Sarah, is to acknowledge that right now and right here. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. Um, I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. I'm here to speak on behalf of the President. He's made his comments clear. You know, before I get into the potatoes, stop being an activist in the media. Won't be treated poorly, but you're activist. It was clearly obvious. You were the people on TV since Obama got elected in 2012 saying there'll be never be a Republican president again. You were the people that played 47%, 80,000 times for Romney, didn't play deplorable but for two days and dumped it. You were the people that said Hillary Clinton was a shoo-in. You were the people that were doing documentaries for Hillary Clinton in 2014 to try to get her elected. You were the people that cried on TV and wore black and mourned for a week because Trump got elected. You were the people that said all of us are uneducated idiots. You were the people that backed up elector tampering to try to get them not to vote for Trump so he wouldn't become the president after the American people spoke. You were the people that carried all the protests and said how democratic it was to burn fucking Washington down, burn Portland down. You were the people that aired all the Women's March and thought it was okay for Madonna to say, I'm going to blow up the fucking White House. You were those people. You were the people that carry abortion protests, that we need more abortion, and you ignore pro-life protests. You're the people that only 
push democratic causes. You're the people that went and got crazy over the immigration when you knew Obama was doing it, but you never carried it because you loved Obama. You were the people that went crazy because one soldier died, an SF, and called it the Benghazi of Trump. When really, when a Benghazi happened, you didn't even carry it because you didn't want to hurt Clinton because you knew she was running for president. That's you. It's not Trump. It's you. Costa, Lemon, all these fucking pieces of shit. They don't even pretend to be journalists. And every time they come out of their mouth with Fox, it's Fox. Look at Fox over there. Fox is so unprofessional. Daily Caller's not a news source. Huh. They were in there for Obama. They let him in the room. You guys legitimized fucking HuffPo. HuffPo. A liberal fucking site. It became a news source. So just shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Report the news. Go back to the potatoes. The press isn't the enemy. They love the American people. That was tweeted by Ryan in the melee that is a Costa drama part 7,500. And I didn't know what he meant and there was a picture attached. And come to find out, we find out that the New York Times has hired a racist. An outright Racist. Her name is Sarah Jong. And this, I'm going to read tweets, the defense of it, everything. I even have sound bites of this lady saying things. And this is the perfect example of what's wrong with our media, with our social media, with our country. If you're conservative, if you're Middle, if you're a normal person, you are held to a different standard. Some of her tweets from back before when she was starting, see all these liberals get to be like me. They start a podcast or something on YouTube and they say terrible things about Republicans and blue check Democrat reporters go, oh, fuck, that's good shit. And they get a job. Brian Seltzer fucking Todd, they all moved up that way. Guy like me, I'll never get a job. Not that I'd want that, but I'm just saying, this little podcast, I can talk all day and say stuff right and articulate. I'm never getting a job like this because you got to call people Nazis to do that. So maybe I'll start calling people Nazis. Maybe that's the tech. But this is what she was doing, and now she becomes a reporter, an editor for the fucking New York Times. Going to be on the editorial board. Dumbass fucking white people marking up the internet with their opinions like dogs pissing on fire hydrants. Oh man, it's kind of sick how much joy I get out of being cruel to old white men. I dare you to get on Wikipedia and play things while people can definitely take credit for it. It's really hard. Are white people genetically predispositioned to burn faster in the sun thus logically being only fit to live underground like groveling goblins? One with bullet points. One, white men are bullshit. Two, no one cares about women. Three, you can threaten anyone on the internet except cops. I just realized why I can't stand watching Breaking Bad or Battlestar Galactica. The premise of both shows is just white people being miserable. 
White people have stopped breeding. You'll all go extinct soon. This was my plan all along. Mm-hmm. So from the Daily Caller, which isn't a news source. No, this is the Federalist. I'm sorry. New York Times hires left-wing writer with long history of racist tweets. New York Times announced Monday it hired left-wing writer Sarah Jong, who has a long history of racist tweets, to be the lead technology writer for the newspaper's editorial board. Jong repeatedly posted racist statements via her Twitter account. The announcement of Jong's hiring comes up the New York Times fired his previous brand-new hire for the same technology writer position last February because she retweeted a racial slur. Far from merely retweeting a single offensive post, Jong likened an entire race of people to goblins, compared their conversations to animals urinating, and declared that skin color entirely determined whether an individual is awful or not. In one tweet from 2014, she wrote that white people are only fit to live underground like groveling goblins. Then the dumbass internet fire hydrants, yada, yada, yada. If yet another post, Jong approvingly posted a chart which indicated one's value as a human being was based entirely on... The skin color, whiteness, straight up and down, awful to the right, it's pegged. The science is indisputable, she wrote. Theoretically, you can't be racist against white people, she wrote in a separate post, before claiming that white people smell like dogs. Actual tweet. Theoretically, you can't be racist against white people, but laugh out loud, how else to describe the weird dog smell rumor? Contrary to Jong's assertion, the dictionary published member <coughs> Weber... Marion Weber defines race as a belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that ra- racial differences produce an inherently superiority of a particular race. Her tweet, hashtag, hashtag cancel white people. White people have stopped breeding, she wrote. You all go extinct. I kind of want to go back and write up Elonis again, but beginning from the thesis, white men are fucking bullshit. The New York Times not publicly explained why they did, but they do. Later on, and they excuse it away. J.R. Saltzman. But she's not responding to anyone or imitating them. <clears throat> I didn't know what that meant <clears throat> because he tweeted their explanation. We hired Sarah John because of the exceptional work she has done covering the internet and technology in a range of respected publications. Her journalism and the fact that she is a young Asian woman, oh, check that goddamn block gotta have inclusivity, have made her a subject of frequent online harassment. Oh, she was harassed. She was harassed. Oh, that's why. For a period of time, she responded to the harassment by imitating the rhetoric of harassers. She sees how this approach only serves to feed the vitriol that we too often see on social media. She regrets it. The Times is not condone it. We had candid conversations with Sarah as part of our thorough vetting process, which included a review of her social media history. She understands this type of rhetoric is not acceptable at the Times, and we are confident that she will be an important voice for editorial board moving forward. Washington Post. An Asian American woman's tweets ignite a debate. Is it okay to make fun of white people online? And the article goes on to say, sure, nothing wrong with that. But here's some of her other horrible tweets. These are all hers. Lots of talented people never make mistakes and they'll still have trouble finding jobs. Fuck Benny Johnson's redemption. Benny, sir, I'm glad you got your redemption in real time, and I I did not have to go through what I did. I, it sucks to have your dumb mistakes made public and to suffer them. Be forever grateful for those who give you a shot at redemption and refuse to listen to the mob. Sarah Jong again. After a bad day, some people come home and kick the furniture. I get on the internet and make fun of the New York Times. The people that just 
Ironer. New York Times opinion equals stock catalog for baby boomers. I feel really bad that 95% of the New York Times had already seized with resentment over their horrible columnists. Other ones. Always, anyways, my point is that we should kill all the men prior to removing the state from marriage as an institution. I think he's encouraging you to kill all men. These are different tweets. Mostly it's been very, very funny. My favorite part was when someone pointed out, kill all bad men still kills all instances of men. Kill more men. I Whispers, I likely to actually kill zero men in my lifetime. I mean, I hope he gets defeated and fuck white women. When homeless people on beat cops senseless... When homeless people can beat cops senseless and suffer nary a repercussion, let's then... Let's then talk about accountability going both ways. I'm almost, I am honestly miserable thinking about what to tell a target of violence. Cops suck, and cops get suckier the more marginalized you are. Uh, the problem is not the complexity of the internet or computers. The problem is that cops are assholes. A little more solidarity with most vulnerable and less love for cops. It's all... There's like hundreds of cops suck. Fuck the police. Fuck the police. That Brooks column is that way. Mention will look like it's Twitter ups the character limit anymore. I know what I'd find in the David Brooks column sound could not possibly be good for me, and yet I still clicked it. Brooks is an absolute ninwit. Remember, Brooks used to be the only conservative they had over there. Tom Friedman is somehow allowed to keep talking. A whole strat of Tom Friedman's a fucking moron. Ariel Davis. I can't believe New York Times hired someone who uses the term dumbass fucking white people and admits it's kind of sick how much joy I get out of being cruel to old white men. Slow claps for the demise of decent journalism on a nincompoops like the get gigs. Other people. Cancel white people. And you get a job? Educated hillbilly, journalists, I want to kill all the white people and drink their blood of their children from their skulls. Liberals, I can't believe all these Nazis are trying to get this poor victim fired because we go into journalists defending them. Oliver Willis, a racist, he fucking wants to kill white people. Most of the people attacking Sarah Jong are the same ones sending all of us, all of us who are non-white on Twitter, the threatening messages. Nobody could produce a threatening message. This fucking little piece of shit troll. And why it bothers me is anybody that's following I love Korea. I love Korean people. She's a Korean American. She's the first one I've met since 1990 that I fucking hate. Because they were wanting to reunite and they hated Americans. They'd curse at us in Korean on the subway and shit. What messages? She produced two. There's hundreds. There's hundreds of tweets. You can't even align it. There is no excuse. And when they just fired somebody for kind of saying something racist, or could be perceived racist, I mean, a lot of people bring up the the key point. Rosie O'Donnell puts a picture of a monkey off a fucking movie and says somebody looks like that. She loses her whole life. This girl has spent a lifetime on Twitter saying, kill white people. All white people are pieces of shit. We smell like dogs. So I guess she wants to eat us because she is Korean. Kagogi is some good meat, I'm telling you. Told the wife many times. 
We're going to eat our dogs at the end of days. It's going to be tasty. A little salt and pepper, that shit's fucking awesome. Sorry for dog lovers. I, I'm not going to go out and eat dogs, but I'm just saying if I had to, I would because I accidentally ate it before and I couldn't tell the difference. <clears throat> but that's what she's saying. But this is the media. Dana Schwartz, hot take. Sarah Jong is hilarious. Libby Watson, I love these fucking morons who think they caught you in some kind of logic trap. Yes, obviously, Sarah Jong tweets are absolutely fine. Courtney Enlow, the people who are very con- concerned about Sarah Jong being a racist seem to be quite comfortable with the actual racism unless it's racism against white people. Mm. Jessica Valentine, Sarah Jong is good or haters are bad. It's not difficult. Yeah, that sums it up. There's hundreds. Chris Hayes. Apropos of nothing, I think Sarah Jong is a phenomenal writer. Zach Bochamp. A lot of people on the internet today confusing the expressive way anti-racist and minorities talk about white people, which actual race-based hatred for some unfathomable reason. So it's okay, he's saying, you can dog white people because white people are horrible. That's okay. So... I just want you to understand, this is a Harvard symposium. She's speaking at Harvard. Nobody tweeted her, and these are her words. Everything is implicitly organized around um, how men see the world. And, and not just men, how white men see the world. Um, and this is this is a problem. This is why... So many things suck. Excuse that away. Can you do it? But I'll go to Nick Monroe. He did a good good thing on this, I, I, I think. I, I, I want to toot my horn. I did the same thing. I mean, when I first read this, I wanted to fucking podcast instantly. I, mean, I, I let it settle, and that's what he did. I decided to wait until now to talk about Sarah John because I didn't want to be part of the outrage mob. But alas, here we are. The New York Times put this foot foot down and stood by Jong. The argument at hand is, if you replace the word white with black, she would have been kicked out immediately. Let's see if there's merit to that. For a period of time, she imitated the rhetoric of her harassers. How big a time frame are we talking about here? Because at a glance, I could pull at least a two-year time span. She's not imitating shit. There's a clear pattern of standard behavior demonstrated. And this is what I could find at a glance, Sarah Jong, God bless her, is keeping her tweets up like a trooper so I can take a look for myself. Buckle up, kids. We're going in. White from Sarah Jong. Jong's anti-white right rhetoric backdates to at least August 2013. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, There's white people and then there's white people. Done with the internet for today. White person rage quilt on me because I joked about making fun of white people too good. I didn't even actually make fun of any white people. Anyways, I displayed poor judgment. Sorry. The last one we picked up on this little thing is just the use of the phrase unjustly homeless is amazing. Also, I love that the settles on a 28-year-old man. What are the odds he's also white? More anti-white tweets from Jong circa 2013. Same. White dudes. Evil white people. And here we have some more from September 2013. I want to make this next batch of tweets her own separate thing because it's one continuous story. Whenever an old white man goes arg, the computer makes some 
everything go complicated. You should just smile and nod. Maybe offer some tea to me. If this develops into, but what about the white people? I don't even. Poor Tim Wise, being a white man standing up for anti-racism is so hard. Why won't people of color just shut up and let him be anti-racist? Study IP protection for additional knowledge always means hearing about the absolute worst example of white appropriation. All the students speaking up adamantly against TK protections are white and all the others are color. Someone finally used the word appropriation. He was not white. It's actually rather mixed, which makes the white students. When I write my book, I'm going to assume the identity of one of my white male engineer friends. Next tweet. Nobody has mentioned the time Sarah Jong suggested a rice cooking app for white people. Pitch, a smartphone app to teach white people how to cook rice. White people, I was just joking, stop making me sad. Mind blown at rate of rice cooking illiteracy among white people. Society has failed white people. White people, you're depressing me. Please tweet me your stories of cooking empowerment. You need to shatter your own stereotypes. Oh, really? I believe in you, white people. Oh, no, white people. I want to save you all from yourself. It's just one month. And then we go for Jong's anti-white tweets in September 2013 to October. More of the same. And as we reach the tail end of 2013, take the time to reflect on the sheer volume of tweets we have from Jong about white people. Like, throw away the face value outrage. Focus on the consistency of it. Look at how many of these tweets there are. And it's another. In my head, those neighbors who are trying to shut down the Sriracha factory are old white people. Let me explain to you about unreasonable search and seizure. Straight white men. He continues. Sorry, I accidentally clicked out of the tab and I've reopened it. Here's more Sarah Jong from December 2013. Here's some uh, anti-white tweets from her best ones from 2013. I read most of them. Sarah John starts January 2014 by cracking jokes about white children getting shot at airports. Tiny blonde white boy runs through airport security, doesn't get shot. Happy holidays. An old white man reminiscing on his young white youth, decrying policies based on how they will affect white people. I mean, Mary fucks, kills, environmentalist, white leftist Peter. Th- I mean, just everywhere, this is what she's writing. And now the transition of anti-white tweets go from January 2014 to February more from 2014 February into March. True defective because we really needed another show about white men feeling sorry for themselves. The world could get by just fine with zero white people. That was her best tweet from March 2014. He's got hundreds. Let's see what she did in April Fool's Day. Just let the white people have things. They don't have a lot of things. Basically, I'm just imagining being white and white waking up every morning with a terrible existential dread about how I have no culture. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Letting White People Just Have Things. Yeah. Next tweet. At this point, I'm confident in accusing New York Times of not doing an independent assessment of Sarah Jong and just taking her word at face value. 
White people feelings are like greenhouse gases. If white people have too many feels, ice caps will melt and polar bears will die. That's from May 2014. Let's find a study on whether killing all the white people will make black people safer. June 2014. I don't discriminate against hate-souled, Borg-brained white people, even though my mind is not physically attracted to them. July 2014. And understand, these are pictures. He has got at least 20 per that's just for the month. This is the best one he pulls out. And now we come full circle to the classic, oh man, it's kind of sick how much joy I get out of being cruel to old white men from July 2014. Now you can start to see that tweets are part of a bigger picture here in Jong's sea of racism, he says. White people have stopped breeding. You'll go extinct. That was from 2014. His next tweet, these anti-white tweets with Sarah Jong keep coming because it's a constant thing. I'm actually being generous in her favor here, and yet even so, there's enough of a tweet volume to demonstrate a pattern of racist behavior. I highlighted some points of interest in Sarah Jong's anti-white racist tweets collection. You know, to make it easy to consider the sheer scope and massive size of it all. If her tweets aren't offensive, what about lying to the New York Times? These are thoughts that cross my mind as I navigate through the abyss of Sarah Jong's anti-white racist tweets. And yes, it's an abyss. I'm getting to the point where metaphors and about bodies of water to describe Sarah Jung's anti-white racist tweets don't feel appropriate anymore. Gotta move on to space and galaxy-themed ones. And it goes on. Here's just one of the last one he does. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing white people that folk music is good. That's... That's the New York Times. You insert black, gay, transgender, lady, any word from the approved list or the disapproved list of liberal concepts where we stop conversation so we can win the argument and you lose your job and you don't get hired at the New York Times. I mean, that that's... that's the New York Times in a nutshell... If you're liberal, you can do whatever you want. But let's face it, they hate middle America. Democrats have been trying to pretend they care about the little people, you know, the working class. And for years we have known they only care about the working class when they need their votes. Otherwise, they have a tremendous amount of disdain and disrespect for those people, especially in rural America. Rainy Moley, who Twitter apparently believes is having a healthy conversation because they didn't do anything about this, said the following. Oh, shut the fuck up. To a WAPO story about rural workers because the chicken plant's going to get shut down and it's the only job they have. She backs it up with alt title. How does it feel to have every advantage and still be a whiny asshole? That's that's the left. That's it. Then you have alt-net, alternate writer calls it a patriotic duty to fight the Trump cult. Not going to read it, just more of the same. This is what they are. This whole incident, it just shows what they are. They hate anybody who doesn't think like them. They hate anybody that doesn't vote like them. Their sole purpose is to be evil fucking fascists. Because that's what they are. We are burning in the streets in Portland right now because a patriot prayer went up there and the cops who were supposed to protect 
the Patriot Prayer, because remember, it's a liberal city. Halfway through, pictures show them facing the Antifa, because they're the ones doing everything, and they had to deploy flashbangs to get them to back the fuck off. Circa Charlottesville. Which, to date, you never heard anything about the guy that ran the car. Conservatives say he's going to get manslaughter because now they know the whole story. It wasn't intentional. He was scared. They were getting bricked. But this is our country right now. You, I, and it's not white and black. You can be a black person from Mississippi. If you don't believe what the left thinks, you're a fucking piece of shit too. We got black officers all over the country called racist. Baltimore, all of them are racist. There were two white people out of six. There was a woman of color. She was a racist Uncle Tom piece of shit in the media. So that that, that shit right there, that's like me finding a four-leaf clover. It's just there. It sums up everything about the media. And so does this. I'm going to do this briefly. I had a longer section, but I've read too many Sarah Jong racist tweets to continue on. The 3D printer drama. Sweet Jesus. All right, this 3D gun thing, the fundamental merits of the case were not argued in court. So let's hash it out in Cuomo's court. We have the perfect counselors, CNN legal and national security analyst Asha Rangappa and Harvard Law School professor emeritus Alan Dershowitz, author of The Case Against Impeaching Trump. Thanks to both of you. Uh, For the prosecution, Rangappa, why is this wrong? Well, this is wrong on so many levels. So first, there is a law that prohibits the possession of undetectable firearms, so these plastic firearms. So as you noted, Chris, in your earlier discussion, by definition, anyone who is downloading these instructions and actually making these guns is going to be an illegal gun owner of of said gun. Um, the First Amendment argument I don't think really goes anywhere. There are public safety exceptions. In 1997, after the Timothy McVeigh uh, bombing, Senator Feinstein uh, passed an amendment making it illegal to post bomb-making instructions. So there are public, accept, uh, public safety exceptions to this. But I think really the practical effect is every day when you get on an airplane, you now have to worry about someone who may be sneaking in a plastic gun And this is really just asking for potentially another 9-11. And I think that should be concerning to all of us. Brian, um, look, the Las Vegas massacre was very recent. Obviously, there are still so many physical and emotional wounds from that. What did you think when you heard that it was possible to use your 3D printer and create an untraceable, unregistered gun? Utter shock. I was in despair. I was was grieving again. I was re-victimized and re-traumatized. I now have to fight to stop a company from providing a blueprint to any lunatic on this planet uh, to to go out and kill people. It's a license to kill, and it's a recipe for mass carnage. Okay, well, first of all, whether it makes sense or not, and how we feel about it, and Brian, I'm sorry about what you had to go through. Truly, I am. But uh, feelings and and whether or not it's fair is not the same thing as a right. Rights are are different from government-issued privileges. And this is more than just a Second Amendment. This is a First Amendment right issue. This guy was going to publish the blueprints. And if if we're going to start censoring uh, any kind of information out there on the Internet that might do irreparable 
irreparable harm, then we're going to have to take off all the websites that are out there that teach you how to uh, make explosive devices and bombs, uh, websites that are doing irreparable harm, such as pornography, uh, websites that teach people how to poison other people. I mean, there's a, there's a wealth of, of information out there that is very dangerous on the Internet. So this is a First Amendment issue. And, and this is going to allow any lunatic on the planet to go in his or her own home and make a gun and carry out another mass shooting. And and if this business at what is called the Nation's Gun Show in Chantilly, Virginia is good. So good, the ATMs have run out of money. There are first-time buyers galore. Annette Elliott is the president and owner of the company that puts on this show and about 85 others in the U.S. each year. What do you think the President of the United States really wants to do when it comes to guns? Well, I think the end game with a lot of Democrats is to confiscate them. I think that is that what you last, is that what you we're think? We're afraid of that, sure. Is I that think, what you think the president wants to do, then? Maybe. Yeah, I think maybe he does. Another reason the show is jammed? The ISIS threat has increased business. That immediately increased business. I used to be a zero gun, you know, uh, guy, but. Nowadays, you don't even know who your opponents are. you got to be ready. Opinions here are not black and white. There are people here who feel there should be an increase in firearms regulation. But what is extremely prevalent is a deep distrust and suspicion of the motivations of the federal government. The private dealers are not legally required to conduct background checks. I would ask you for a Virginia driver's license. That way I know you're from within the state. But if I gave you a fake Virginia driver's license, you would never I would have no idea. Would you trust me to have an honest face? Would you sell it to me? I'd, I'd trust you. You'd give an honest face okay. to me. I mean. but, but that being said, sometimes if you don't think someone has an honest face, if you have a bad vibe, you don't sell it. Correct. Okay. you, you got you to gotta go with your gut instinct. This is a competition M1A. It's a civilian version of the M14. This is a SD40V Smith & Wesson 40 caliber. Um, it's a lot like a Glock. Many here believe the government needs to be more concerned about mental illness than making it harder to buy a gun. But they are aware things are about to change. Unbelievable. My son, Zach, in Tennessee sent me a picture. It came from Kayla Jones. My 3D printer gun's almost done, and it's a shotgun they just stuck on a printing machine, which is pretty funny. But pure ignorance. Nets push fake news about 3D printing guns. For days, liberal media has been experiencing a Chernobyl-level meltdown when a Texas company released online instructions for 3D printing plastic weapons that actually fired real bullets. Of course, none of them did their homework and spewed inaccuracy nonsense in an effort to spoke, stoke public fear of guns. After a liberal judge in Seattle blocked the release on Tuesday, the broadcast networks sang their praises with one network touting Democrats who said President Trump had blood on his hands. Let's turn now to late development in the race to stop what some fear is the next gun threat. Plastic weapons announced Lester Holt on NBC Nightly News and denied a federal judge just blocked the release of the blueprint for the guns after several states took legal action to stop the release. The case in question involves gun rights advocate Cody Wilson his company Defense Distributed. NBC reporter Tom Costello suggested it was Trump administration that would allow 3D printing guns on the street after the Obama administration sued to block them. Bottom line, the blueprints to build firearms has been easily available online for years, and Wilson's case was about the international sale of firearms since the blueprints were online. As National Review David French expertly noted, the Obama administration justified his decision to prevent the plaintiffs from posting the files on the grounds that the files would be available for international download. It on the case found that printing firearms is legal for the United States citizen and will remain legal for the United States citizen regardless of the outcome of the case. 
But they just had all sorts of crazy shit. Uh, Wilson personally moved beyond plastic to machine gun grade metal, funding his legal fight by selling thousands of these, a milling machine capable of making unmarked metal AR-15s and hand guns, a.k.a. ghost guns. Stephen Gutowski ripped this shit apart. Max Boots said, this is nuts. Trump administration allowing anyone with a 3D printer, including felons, terrorists, and the mentally ill. Stop. Just fucking stop. Obama released gun people because they were black. They had gun violations. He released all bu- a whole shitload of them. Three of them committed crimes. You never reported that, Max Boot. Of course, people went the other way. Who's allowing anything? Criminals and terrorists do what the fuck they want. Then you got this one. CNN reporter inaccurately attributes gun activist phrase to Dana Loesch. There's a tweet by Dana Loesch, reports Tom Foreman to told Wolf, Wolf Blitzer, pointing out the text he was reading that basically said 3D printing ghost guns, as they call these, which can be made at home and don't have serial numbers, rendering them untraceable, symbolizes freedom and innovation. The trace. NRA spokesman Dana Loesch says 3D printed ghost guns, which can be made at home, blah, 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 blah. The problem is, she never said any of that. Ever. She never said it. It was somebody else. Charles Cook sums it up. Won't hold and shouldn't. This is ultimately a First Amendment prior restraint case. The people cheering this are being unbelievably short-sighted. I'm desperately trying to ensure that the president can engage in the prior restraint of online information, specifically so that people can't make weapons at home. I see. What do you call yourself? The resistance. Venn diagram for people who believe. One, Trump's becoming Hitler. This is hyperbole. It's not too early to say it. He's a Nazi. Two, we need federal speech laws to be enforced by the executives. Three, conservatives who say we need an armed citizenry just in case are paranoid. That's how they do it. Yet you're the people that are paranoid. Then we got the Vox poll shit. He tried to explain it because the poll went bad. And as you can guess, it's really, really, really long explanation of a stupid poll. In most situations in the U.S., a woman is a female person. Someone part of the racial minority is a black person or Latino person, etc. Gay people, trans people, immigrant people. All these groups are adjective people, people with an asterisk, while a white heterosexual male is simply a person, as generic as he chooses. His presence is taken for granted. It really occurs to anyone to question it. A white man in khakis and a polo shirt can walk into almost any milieu in the U.S., and even if he's greeted with hostility, be taken seriously. His legitimacy is assumed. Will Wilkerson. Now, the message of this piece by D.R. Vox is considered controversial and divisive rather than the plain common sense about something totally obvious validates the message. Only white people can't find it obvious. Well, it seems to be that more than white people thought it was bad. But go to Sarah Jong. This is the left now. We're going beyond anything. We're, we're trying to shame people to vote for our people because we want control and we want to really be the fascist and force you to turn into gay, be gay, be transgender, fucking give up all your possessions because you're a piece of shit white person. That, that, that's, they're pandering so hard. Then there was Twitter, which I was going to put after Sarah Jong, but I'll just surmise. Twitter par- partners with academics who call RN speeches hate. They pulled in three of them. I'm just going to use one. Patrick, Patricia Rossini. 
These are the people that are going to start doing the health conversation and help it. But people went back and looked at all their tweets. And this one sums it up. Summarizing tonight, and this was the RNC convention. Hate, 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 wall, hate, 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 LGBTQ, hate, 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 ban immigration, hate, 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 law and order. So that's what we're going to do. Another one, Rebecca Trombel. Trump quintupled, quintupled down on his commitment to white nationalists. They're just about all he's got left. Bannon ain't going nowhere. So those three people, and I only got one of them, they're, they're the ones. They, they've called him a Nazi. They've called his voters Nazis. All their tweets are anti-Trump supporters, Trump voters, middle of America, but Twitter's going to use them like the New York Times is going to use Sarah Jong to fix things. Yeah. It makes sense in the liberal world. To our tweets of the day. We start with Alyssa Milano, and for the record, they brought her on to talk about 3D guns. She did an op-ed on CNN because she's an expert. David Hogg was also brought on. Um, nobody that actually knew anything about the 3D printing and what was going on and that they've been out forever. Now, that wasn't brought on because that doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. But one of her tweets is showing, once again, we, we've used handmaids. We've used everything. It's the left. Now she went just straight up stupid. It's Harry Potter's birthday, and muggles are joining Dumbledore's army to fight back against Trump and the dark arts. So we're using Harry fucking Potter analogies for Trump. But that's just the tip of the iceberg, because J.K. Rowling went to the next level. Contrarywise, continued Tweedledee, if it was so, it might be, and if we're so, it would be, but as it ain't, it ain't. That's logic, Lewis Carroll, through the looking grass. She used fucking Alice in Wonderland to bash Trump. And I thought that shit was funny. Chelsea Handler's our next tweet. Trump believes that people are voting illegally, but also wants to make sure that all American citizens of color who are illegally voting should have their votes suppressed. That's quite a policy. Kara Davis. I'm trying to find Trump's keep people of color from voting policy, but no luck. It's almost as if she made this shit up. Chelsea, people of color are not ignorant, brainless, or stupid. We all know how to get IDs because we like doing things like cashing our checks, traveling, driving, and all the things you white folks like to do. We're not a whole different species, darling. And that came from a black lady, and I loved it. But our tweet of the day also comes from Candace Owens, who's African-American. It's a beautiful tweet. I'm not even going to I'm going to read it and just play the yay sound. One of the dumbest things journalists ask me at events is, why do you suppose the majority of the people here are white? They always look so shocked when I remind them that the black pop people only make up 13% of the U.S. population. Want more? Stop aborting 800 of us a day. <laughs> Thank you.
the J! We start with me hating shit. Hillary Clinton. I'm thrilled to be joining forces with Steven Spielberg to bring F. Weiss's five book, The Woman's Hour, to TV. It's about the women who fought for suffrage nearly 100 years ago. And you knew all her people jerked off to that and thought it was great. So I'm just going to read JWF. Jammy WF. Must flee TV. <laughs> Next one, we've all seen the disclaimers where people make it clear that retweets aren't necessarily endorsements, but CNN's Jake Tapper made it pretty clear he wanted people to click over to philly.com about reality winners. Jake Tapper. Will Bunch asks why reality winners in jail if we're a nation that protects whistleblowers. Sean Davis, because he desperately violated whistleblower protection laws, stole top secret documents and illegally leaked them. This isn't rocket scientist. Another one. Whistleblowing doesn't mean leaking top secret info to the press. It means reporting wrongdoings through proper government channels so that top secret information is still protected. But for some reason on the left, because it happened under Trump, it's good. Yeah. Then, Melissa Francis, which blew my mind, I don't watch Fox once again, and she was on Little House in the fucking Prairie. I didn't know that. But she was denied entry into her country club that she plays dues because they thought she was too much of a Trump. She said, we are members of Sewanee, Sewanoi, whatever the fuck, Bronxville, but somehow they can't fit us in for dinner. Repeatedly, I'm sure it's a coincidence and not something more, right? Hashtag never Trump or hashtag CNN, hashtag Hillary forever. And that's what it is. The owner of the establishment is that. So, yeah, good to go. Let's go into hypocrisy without a bumper. We're just going to play a really horrible soundbite. CBS decided to do an homage of 40 years of bias for Andrea Mitchell. And it is a special day for our dear, dear friend, Andrea Mitchell. As far as I'm concerned, this should be a national holiday. Uh, Today, (laughs) our Andrea is celebrating, get this, 40 years with NBC News. She's just a legend. She's a total legend. She's a trailblazer. She's a pioneer. (laughs) I love you, Andrea. You are indefatigable. You're my kind of woman. Sometimes I just pinch myself that I get to work with Andrea Mitchell. She's one of the people who inspired me to get into this career. She has become such a mentor to me. I've learned so much. NASA risked losing its last landing opportunity so that the president could get an extra hour of sleep. What do you say to those who feel that there is somehow a perception that America is weakened? NBC News has learned Clarence Thomas, Anita Hill, and the Senate will all be on trial. Fulfilling his promise of hope will be Clinton's greatest challenge. Seeing Andrew Mitchell around the Washington bureau with, like, how probably some people feel about running into Bruce Springsteen or Muhammad Ali. I mean, I was afraid to even look her in the eye. I started working with Andrea in my early 20s. Just being with her every day was like a graduate degree in journalism. I still, to this day, think, what would Andrea do? Would Andrea ask that question? I still call her before I have a big interview, and I still crave her respect. Can we raise a glass to Andrea Mitchell, who is one of the most generous colleagues, friends, humans. She shows all of us how it's done every Every single day. day. We are honored to sit next to you, Andrea, and we love you. Now, I want you to remember, this is the same Andrea Mitchell that did this after Hillary lost. 
Late yesterday, her team was still optimistic that they would prevail. Instead, they are now planning a concession speech shortly this morning as history is put on hold yet again. At Clinton headquarters, heartbreak. Oh, my gosh. You know, keep looking up at the glass ceiling, and um, it's still just solid. Women supporters who had hoped this would finally be their year, shocked and distraught. The wait for the country's first female commander-in-chief, 240 years and still counting. And if the woman who President Obama called the most qualified person ever to run for the White House couldn't break through, the question remains, who can? Yeah, that's a legacy I'm proud of. Jesus Christ. A couple op-eds I wanted to point you towards. The hypocrisy of the White House press corps. Got that one from um, Task, or uh, not Task and Purpose. They're liberals. Federalists. It's fucking fantastic. Mainstream media are washing tsunami of trivia is a great one, um, which you should really read. But my favorite that I'm going to read Andrew Clavon destroys New York Times article claiming conservatives are racist. It's not incumbent upon us to pay attention to their nonsense. That's basically a true statement. New York Times just ran an opinion piece telling liberals how to speak to racist conservatives. And it goes on to list the type of racist conservatives that can still be saved by liberals. Are you one of the people mentioned? Take a look as Andrew Cavlin, host of the Andrew Cavlin Show, breaks it down on Tuesday's episode. I mean, this is unbelievable peace. Just assuming that people who disagree with you, anyone who would make an Obama joke, if you disliked Obama, it had to be because of his race. It's the only reason. Clavin said, it wouldn't be because he's going to fundamentally transform the greatest country on earth. It wouldn't be because he was a socialist who wanted to redistribute wealth, who said he wanted to spread the wealth, blah, blah, blah. He goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So he goes, Prejudice is endemic to humanity itself. Human beings are tribal creatures. We trust the familiar and are drawn to it. We distrust the unfamiliar and keep our distance. White people, liberal and conservative, often claim not to notice another person's race, but it's just not true. So why is it only white people then? If it's all human beings, are black people not human beings? Is it If it's everybody, it's everybody. We all have the same problem, and not to her. This is only about white people. We're hardwired to recognize difference to the view if it's an aberration. I'm talking only about garden variety prejudice. The differences between an unconscious liberal racist and an unconscious conservative racist is only a matter of degree, not of kind. Ah, so in other words, we're both racist, but the conservative is more racist. She's not talking about evil racist. She's talking about people who can be saved, okay? Let's hear the people who can be saved. One, the grumpy old neighbor who voted for Donald Trump out of frustration with Washington. He's your first racist. The high school classmate who posted Obama joke on Facebook. I mean, he's black. You don't like him. It must be because he's black. You're a racist. Three, here's another person you can be able to save, to save this person from her racism. The white woman on the plane who tenses up when the Middle Eastern man sits down in a seat beside her. Why on earth would anyone tense up when the Middle Eastern man sits down beside you? with a shoebox muttering Ali Akbar on a clock that's ticking away. She says, try not to give up on these people yet. Do not give up on a Trump voter. Do not give up on the person who makes an Obama joke on Facebook. I mean, can you imagine the depths of racism it takes to make an Obama joke on Facebook? It's amazing. By the way, the thing about the Muslim she's talking about, when she says a Middle Eastern person, she means Muslim. 
Ideas are not a race, she says. Before you say a single word to these poor, benign, racist conservatives, think about all the times you made an assumption about a stranger that proved to be untrue. God knows you might have even thought of an Obama joke. Think of the times you found yourself feeling uneasy in the company of a stranger of another race. Think about how you were forced to interrogate that uneasiness. Think of the plank in your own eye. Start there. I mean, this is an unbelievable piece, just assuming that people who disagree with you, anyone who would make an Obama joke, if you just like Obama, and it because of race it's the only reason it won't be because he's a piece of shit and it's true they're coming out every week wapo new york times we're still on deplorable mode yeah you just have to be a horrible human being to like trump because we don't like trump then there's Jeremy salts he's a senior art critic at new york times magazine he is also, it would be, a rabid homophobe. He tweeted pictures of more of the Putin-Trump homophobic stuff. Mark Joseph Stern. This is homophobic. Why must this point require such constant repetition? Using gay sex of any kind as a means of denigrating someone means you think gay sex is innately degrading. It is not remotely great, and it's embarrassing as hell to see it described as such a joke about Trump having sex with men are homophobic. They're demeaning towards gay men. They make a punchline of the gay intimacy. They imply that gay sex is humiliating and icky. Anyone who shares these jokes should be ashamed of yourself. Paid art critic or casual homophobe, whichever, stop using queer folk as a punchline to make fun of Trump, you asshat. Here's the problem. They're liberals. You can do it. If you're liberal, you can do it. You can do whatever you want. Because you're on our team. And as long as you're on our team, you can say, espouse, whatever. So I'm going to play it back-to-back media mash. CNN carts out LeBron, and then Lemon says he's not a race baiter. Great soundbite. Mojo laughing about the growth of the commie again because they brought on Ratner, a Clinton appointee who says it's horrible. Chris Cuomo explained to us what pro-life is. Yeah, a guy who believes in abortion in the third trimester. Got it. Then our bias 101, Snuff hopes, Snuff Lovigas, over there on ABC this week, that Trump is implicated in a Manafort case. And Abrams... Mueller is a Republican. I'm having a hard time watching Live PD because Abrams keeps getting carting out on MSDNC, the company he used to be the president of, and he literally is saying horrible shit, uh, biased shit, and it makes me stare at him every night and go, why am I watching or assisting his career? Because he's a resistor, and I don't like it. Enjoy. You excited about LA? Absolutely. Yeah. One more question. What would you say to the president if he's sitting right here? Uh, I would never sit across from him. You would never? You didn't want to talk to him? No. I said that across from Barack, though. I love sitting down with LeBron today. You know what I really love about it? Is that he is, is his authenticity. So back with me now, Chris Liz, Anina Turner, and Scott Jennings. So um, I know people watch and they say, why are you guys talking about race? You race baiting, you know, here, but it's not that bad. It is that bad. And stop saying that. Start examining yourself. 
why don't you want to talk about it? Maybe I should be more open to talk about it. Maybe I should learn more about my neighbors of color or people who are not like me. What is it that I don't know? What is it that I'm not exposed to? What am I not learning? Rather than every single time saying there is no racism, it's all behind us, slavery was a long time ago, that's all really bullshit if you're watching at home and you're saying that. So here is more from the president on Friday. We've accomplished an economic turnaround of historic proportions. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Can we play? <laughs> Can we play that again? Right I, I like that one. This is a good one. This is a good one. Here we go. We've accomplished an economic turnaround of historic proportions. Okay, this, this comes from the guy. He has all of his club championships like that he won in his office because he cheated at and the club championships. Time magazine, yeah, fake, fake covers. And the fake, covers. fake covers in the Time magazines. Yeah. But yeah, it, the greatest turnaround in America. No, this is Steve again. Anybody that just goes on a Google machine can see uh, that in, you showed part that the economy, uh, 08, was here, went up. And then it's been a steady, slow, gradual economic increase. And, I mean, that's good news, but that's good news. It's, you know, from Bush to Obama to Trump. Here's the argument. The smart part is squaring the logic of being pro-life. If, if you believe that you don't mess with life in one area, you don't mess with it, period. It's logical. And it plays to an inconsistency that we see here in America. Many who call themselves pro-life are also pro-death penalty. Now, that's always struck me as odd, regardless of any arguments about innocence of the actor and biblical assertions of eye for an eye. Because for believers, either the big man calls the shots of who lives and who dies, or we do, which is it? But then I read a little bit more into Bergoglio's words and thoughts. And I thought about it a little bit more, and I see something that's not just smart, but stunning. In Argentina, the Pope, then Bergoglio, that's his name, he wasn't only a huge opponent of the death penalty, but of inequities of how we treat the living. His argument has always been, if you are pro-life, then you are pro-all life equally. So the question for you is, are you pro-life? And if you say yes, do you mean just when it comes to a fetus? How about when it comes to a grave felon? How about when it comes to color? Now, you may answer quickly and say yes, but do you see that in the choices of your politics, in our collective choices, about our economy, our institutions, our justice system. Do we see it on our border with all this us versus them, Christians and Muslims? For many now with how men treat women, look at the yawning gap of rich and poor in this country. How laws like stand your ground make killing so easy that let white men go free and let black men die without an arrest. It happens in a system where fairness under law is too often not the reality. Then you look at the border. People are not valued the same. We know what their homelands have been called, how their illegal entry has become a judgment on their soul. The Pope is just as strong on respecting those lives as he is an unborn baby. Are you? Because if you are not, then you may have to reconsider your quick answer of being Pro-life. Join us, bringing our contributor now, Chris Christie, former New Jersey governor, former federal prosecutor, uh, as well. Let's start it. Uh, put on the prosecutor's hat for a second. Yeah. Why are they so focused on not saying the name Trump? Well, you know, I think they're listen. They're in Virginia. 
They're in Northern Virginia. I think with this jury pool, they don't know how it's going to play. And I think they're all going to be very careful about the fact that they want this to be about the facts they've developed about Paul Manafort and not let the politics get into it. And I think that's a, a, a smart strategy by the prosecution. So even though they don't name Trump, the stakes are very, very high for both the prosecutors and the president. Oh, absolutely. Listen, when you're a prosecutor, you know, we used to say all the time, you know, if you're going to if you're going to try to kill the king, make sure he's dead. And the fact is, you know, this case is going to be very important to establish credibility for Bob Mueller. If he were ever to lose this case, it would be an extraordinary like pretty strong case. It does. I think from the outside, from the indictment, it looks like a pretty strong case. It's a paper case, we call it, in the business. It's not going to be a lot of live witnesses that you need in this case. This is going to be the paper trail that they follow to follow what Paul Manafort was doing with the money, tax issues, it's a paper case. Meanwhile, the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, seems to be shifting the goalposts on the Russia investigation. You know, for the longest time, the Trump campaign said there was no contact with Russia. We now know there were 80-something contacts. Now you hear no collusion. That was the mantra for the president for a long time. Now Rudy Giuliani is out there saying collusion is not a crime. It appears to be moving the goalposts, but aiding and abetting a crime, a felony is a crime. Well, sure. And I don't think he's really moving the goalposts, George. I think he's arguing the alternative, right? What he's saying is, listen, the president didn't collude, but even if he did, collusion in itself is not a crime. Now, a conspiracy, um, as they've charged in some of these other cases, to defraud the United States is certainly a crime. But they're so far away from that at this point. And I was saying uh, over the weekend that, you know, you look at what's gone on so far, especially with Michael, the Michael Cohen situation, nobody from Cohen's camp is taking credit for any of the stuff that was leaked. Well, he's saying he didn't do it. Right. So they're not taking any credit for it. So they're not taking responsibility for it either. So we don't even know if Cohen was at a meeting, really heard what was rumored to have been heard, and tagged it on the president. So again, this is you know, it's the prosecutor's hat, not the politician's we, we, hat, George. We've got to take a deep right. breath. We, have, we do. We have to go as well. But if, if the president did know about that meeting and subsequently called on Russia to send over emails, that would be a problem for him. Well, listen, it's not good politically, George. I still don't know whether it's a legal problem, but it's certainly a political problem, most importantly because he's been so firm about the fact that he didn't do that. And that's what would create the big problem. But I don't even know if even then it creates a legal problem. A series of tweets from the president, rigged witch on confl uh, conflicts of interest for Robert Mueller. That's potentially the most explosive charge. Break it down. All right, so first of all, this idea of a conflict of interest. I mean, it seems that what he's saying is that Mueller was a member of a Trump golf club. He he withdrew his membership. But he calls it a long business relationship. I, 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 I don't. I don't think there's any indication there was any long business relationship unless you consider being a member of a golf club uh, a long business relationship. Mueller then withdrew his membership, apparently wrote a note after he withdrew just asking about back dues, and, and that was it. Um, so I, I don't know what beyond that he could be talking about. Uh, you also have the claim that this entire investigation was started by the phony dossier. That, that's not why the investigation was started. The investigation was started after the, the firing of James Comey. Um, so you have a number of just factual problems, but the bigger picture problem for the president is that Robert Mueller can be unassailable to some degree. He is a lifelong Republican. He is a war hero. Uh, he is someone who has long been respected by people. From 100 to nothing every time. In, 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 of both parties. So he's got a real challenge when it comes to trying to undermine Mueller. And remember, when you talk about the angry Democrats, think about if it was flipped, right? If it was a Democrat who was leading the investigation and had hired Republicans to work for him, everyone would be saying, the guy leading it is a lifelong Democrat. It's the person at the top who... Other hypocrisy.
DNC chair Tom Perez spotted at an airport carrying a bag. The guy who believes in socialism as a future in the party was carrying a bag that cost $1,900. $1,900. Other hypocrisy. Man who spiked girlfriend's drink with abortion pill convicted of a felony. And it once again brings up liberal logic. A woman can walk in at three months and go, kill this fucking kid, I don't want it. That's not murder. That's abortion and a woman's right to choose. But a man hits a woman that's pregnant. Somebody kills some a woman that's pregnant. It's <coughs> two counts of murder. Sorry, I got something in my throat. Give me a second. That's that's okay, right? That's okay in your brain? I'm always hearing the pro-life <coughs> are hypocrites because they don't stop executions. But I never hear that liberals think that's murder. But it's not murder when you do it yourself? Really? Okay. And lastly, (coughs) before we go into stats of the day, you didn't see this on your news this week. Chicago protesters march for the resignation of Rahm Emanuel. They are sick of the violence and him caring more about illegals than American people. Large crowd. Nobody covered it. To our stats. He came. was just a kid. I don't want this to be swept under he the rug. He said he was standing his ground. America don't care about People wreck the country. He becomes a rallying call. Something snapped. They say that time heals all wounds. It does not. Uh, also, I do not trust this. Oh, they're bad, so they must have done something wrong, and they deserve what they had coming rationale, which is the same one we hear from the CIA as we hear from police in a case like Michael Brown. And right now, thousands of Americans are marching in New York and Washington and across the country demanding a justice system that applies the same to everybody and honors our values. And you, uh, we want you to know that our hearts are out there marching with them. Please tweet us your comments. Poppy Harlow is up next. Uh, Before we go, a story uh, I know Poppy loves, uh, a discovery that turned stunned, stunned scientists on the complete T-Rex fossil, the most complete one ever found, and then lost. All right, everybody says, what the hell is he playing that for? Well, Jay-Z teamed up with the um, (coughs) Paramount Network, and they've done a Trayvon Martin documentary. I watched the first episode, so I brought this up, because it's an interesting statistical avenue, if you really want to go with it. This was the beginning of fake news. What what am I saying? Well, why hands up, don't shoot resonates regardless of evidence. That's a CNN article. It's still up there. And it breaks down that regardless of what you think. Well, let me just read it. Why hands up still resonates. To people who have embraced the hands up gesture, 
Though the varying accounts don't seem to matter much, within hours of shooting, hands up became a rallying cry for social media meme and t-shirt slogan. It is a powerful project protest symbol, and the symbols can be persuasive. History is full of them, and they try to break down that it's the same thing as a revolutionary stuff. And I can't breathe. And regardless if it's a lie, it still means something. Now, granted, you're going apples and oranges, Tony. That was the second level because the first level was this. CNN White's Hispanic label for George Zimmerman draws fire. And David Clark tweet from December 6, 2016. Fake news was born in August 2014 in Ferguson, Missouri when MSDNC, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN all propagated hands up, don't shoot, which was a lie. He then tweets the same concept about the white Hispanic. And I thought, holy crap. <clears throat> That's where it started. When it came out that he was a white guy, and then it was proven that he was a Hispanic of Honduras, Honduras, um, Honduran descent, the media didn't want to back off because they had something good. They could bash America. The liberals, they don't like America. And they created white Hispanic. And then hands up, don't shoot. And we're living it now. We're living it. This is Obama's legacy. Well, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. And everything. A half-black grand jury. He defended himself. Don't like the law, rewrite it. But the fact of the matter is, even in this documentary to this day, that story has never been told true. A black blogger that I follow literally stated they never showed the sound bites that they have of the conversation where Trayvon Martin says, I'm going to fuck this white guy up. He was the instigator. He was beating the shit on this show They were playing only people that thought the help, help, help was Trayvon Martin. When we all know it was George Zimmerman getting his ass beat the fuck up. That is the facts. But facts never, ever matter for the left. Facts get in the way of emotion. And emotion gets people to go out in the streets and burn shit down, beat up fellow Americans, and hopefully on the way between their beating and burning, they'll go to a poll and they'll vote for us. Other stats. I guess I didn't finish that right. Don't watch it. It's fucking horrible. I'm going to watch it just because I want to see. This is the precursor to Obama Netflix. This is what we're going to get. Heavy doses of gay shit, uh, transgender shit, women's rights shit, abortion shit, and black people are being lynched every day in America by black cops. Because all cops are pieces of shit. That's, that's how they're going to play it. But Obama comes out and he endorses a bunch of people. His tweet, today I'm proud to endorse such a wide and impressive array of Democratic candidates. Leaders as diverse, patriotic, and big-hearted as America, they're running to represent. He did not do Beatty O'Rourke and he never endorsed Ocasio. Isn't that amazing? Maybe he knows, even though he is one, that socialist thing really probably isn't where we want to go.
that's probably not where we want to go. So, our last is Donald Trump's approval rating was at 50 this week on Rasmussen. But the more important one that I think is very interesting, and I got this from an African-American blogger, not a white guy. Today, real Donald Trump's approval rating among black voters is 29%. This time last year was 15 He's pretty much doubled his approval with black people. It could have something to do with Hispanic unemployment is at a record low. Black unemployment is at a record low. And I once again state for the record, I saw a lot of black people that were going to vote for Donald Trump. <clears throat> the media is the most biased organization you could ever see in the world. They lump everybody together. And only if it's a black candidate are you going to get full 100% well, 98.5% voting for somebody because that's what they did for Obama twice. No, 95 the next time. He lost some black people that voted. Um, <clears throat> but no group is homogenized. Everybody thinks the same. Only racists think that. So we're going to take our first music break. I know it's very long and I didn't do a music break, but, you know, what the fuck? I figured we'd just drive on through. And then we're going to come into our news and social media nuggets. Got a good section on the uh, military corner this week. Uh, we're going to actually start with a soundbite of two vets ripping their representatives for kneeling for the flag. One of them doesn't have any legs. He's standing on prosthetic legs, ripping that ass. So here is uh, <clears throat> the Death Tones digital bath, and I'll see you on the other side.
the media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed this, this is this is something man this is this is our generation man all you people we're all together man it's groovy and dig yourselves because it's really groovy now it's time for news and social media nuggets the crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yep. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whale. Daddy's in the military now. That Vietnam War veteran, Calvin Bunnell, joins us now. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting for me here. You're welcome. So you stood up and you made your point. You were very, it seemed very upset with what she did. Why? Because see, the flag is supposed to represent the United States. And when somebody kneels down and does not respect it, it goes along with the national anthem. You're supposed to stand up and present yourself to that situation as well as the flag. When I first had elementary school, that was the first thing they taught us was respect for the flag and what it stood for. It just doesn't stand for the freedom, but it also stands for 
all the gentlemen, ladies in the service that have been killed in the line of duty. And when somebody kneels down in front of for me, it's a uh, very disrespectful thing because you should stand up and appraise these people as well as that flag of the United States. Melissa Schlag was caught on tape saying that your town was fascist and racist, and then she went on a radio interview a radio interview and she apologized for making it seem like all of Haddam was racist and fascist. She says couldn't be further from the truth. However, strong veins of fascism and racism run deep in Adam. Do you agree with that? I believe so. Uh, I'm out of Meriden, but um, she said it. She had her freedom of speech. She has her freedom of uh, religion because of that flag and what that flag stood for with the veterans fighting for her natural rights and the Constitution. Do you agree with her that your town is fascist and racist? Uh, I, I really do not know on that point because I do not live in Haddam. I live in Connecticut. So you came over to Haddam right. to make your voice heard because you knew that she was probably going to kneel again? Right. Why was that important to you? Uh, because it's of the situation with her kneeling. She's done it before, made statements before, and I just it was about time some other people besides her town people let them know how they felt on it. We had we had about seventy five people line up and give her the yeah. royal run. Do you think she should resign? I think so, because when she does something like that, she is not representing the constituents of that town in the right way. It's hard to see her kneel, in my opinion, when we have the remains of these individuals who made the ultimate sacrifice come back. You hear from a young girl who lost her dad when she was four years old, and he was never there for her wedding or her graduation and that kind of thing. So many people have made sacrifices for the red, white, and blue. Thank you for right. what you've done. We thank you for having me, and I appreciate it very much. I'm saying I wholeheartedly respect your right to protest, to any, to lay down, to burn the flag, do whatever it is that you show Okay? But if that you would like to do, do that on your own time. <laughs> Kneel at your son or daughter's little league game. When you become a selected an elected official, become a representative of all of Adam and all the constituents. There's a reason why the lady that represents justice has scales in one hand and sword in the other in a blindfold. Does not look to see who she's stand just for and who not. But unfortunately, one of us select persons decided to pull down the blindfold and start peaking. Okay? That said, you ran a Democrat. But what you became elected, unfortunately, you have to represent all of your constituencies. Last week and this week, you've told at least half the time, I don't care whether I am you, and I am going to act on my win. We took this vote. We took That's some good shit right there. 
Some bad shit. Uh, name of Fort Campbell soldier killed Wednesday in training accident released. The Fort Campbell officials identified the soldier killed Wednesday during a training accident. P- Private Jeremy J. Wells, 19, a member of the 101st Airborne Division. Wells was taking part in a weapon training at a small arm range of Fort Campbell when an accident occurred. I can't find out what happened. It wasn't a live fire. This is bad. Something went very wrong. It's very, very sad. So, <clears throat> per usual... Um, prayers to the family and friends, and that's just horrible. I, I, I always tell the story of going to combat, getting serious shit, you know, seven months later coming home, we lose a guy getting run over by, a, uh, two guys get run over by a tank. That's just, you know, crazy. You can go to war and then come home and get killed in training. Um, Stonewall Jackson as our second subject. Media coverage of 55 Korean War veterans remains a return home. CNN, 55 seconds. ABC, 24 seconds. MSNBC, 0 seconds. CBS, 0 seconds. NBC, 0 seconds. Because it was positive. Trump secured 55 casualties of the Korean War from the doggone Yalu River. And they don't even cover it. God knows we can't be good for vets because we're liberals and we don't like the military. But also, positive America stories? Oh, that just doesn't fit in our agenda, does it? Stratcom chief will die trying or kill somebody to get new helos. They still fly Hueys. And I researched back to some previous stuff we talked about. The Sikorsky S97 is a double prop rear rotor push. It's an old-fashioned helicopter. It looks badass, like a hybrid Blackhawk. It is in flight testing now. And the Bell V280, which is the MV22 bullshit, <clears throat> it looks like it's in the running uh, to be the pick. And I really hope it doesn't. But um, both of these packages are going to be complete packages where you'll have a lift for Chinooks to replace the Chinooks. You'll have a uh, you know, Blackhawk replacement and Apache plate replacement the Kiowa has already been replaced so they don't have a small version but interesting concepts there's another company that's brand new that had theirs and it looked like little shuttles with um real rear prop propulsion it was just bizarre but i don't know where they're gonna get it <clears throat> u.s special operation forces are getting a long-awaited silent weapons upgrade they've gotten new silenced m4a1 carbines it's taken forever but they got them that's cool Survey, troops' families are increasingly dissatisfied with TRICARE. 50% of those respondents is somewhat to very concerned. It was 4,000 people. Uh, 91% were retired service member and their spouses and 45 were active. Of the 75% were current or former officers. About half were TRICARE for Life beneficiaries. Those 65 or older enrolled in TRICARE for Life, which was affected by the TRICARE changes on Medicaid side. Those beneficiaries showed the greatest overall satisfaction, 80% with their health care. Beasley said about 50% of the survey respondents were using TRICARE Select, were very or mostly satisfied. And I think that's total bullshit. Um, It's horrible. Then there's this story. This move was a living nightmare. There's a huge problem this summer where you have a lot of PCSs, changes of station for those that aren't military, and there's a lack of moving trucks. Uh, they, they interviewed two people that had gone on their move, and they'd had regular movies like Allied. The trucks had broke down, and a bunch of freaking U-Hauls showed up, and their shit was all fucked up, and it was just a total mess. So um, feel for them. That's horrible. 
A petition online, bring Chick-fil-A to military base installation, and needed 35,000 signatures. When I signed this mother flipper, it was at 29,000. So I hope it gets it. That would be really good, because we always get pie pie, and it's horrible, or some shit like that. Bring Chick-fil-A to the military would be the best thing ever. Could be more than we know, because I did contracts for AFIs, and maybe Chick-fil-A just doesn't want to pay for the bullshit. Or it could be PC, because the military right now is still stuck in Obama mode with a lot of PC bullshit, like going against transgender ban, things like that. So they're still liberalized, and maybe it's because of a statement made by somebody uh, years ago about <clears throat> gay marriage. They don't want to jump into that pool fight. Who knows? Um I got to think the statistics on gay soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marine, and transgender are well below the 5.7% combined of the population. I think those few soldiers could get over it. But the most important story I wanted to cover, the Army is delivering pizza MREs sooner than you expect. That's right. After years of development, the Army said that its meal ready-to-eat pizza will be in the hands of soldiers in 2019. <clears throat> they must be able to live at 80 degrees or below. Mostly frozen pieces will maintain best quality for about 18 months, though they usually remain safe to eat after that. The real trick is to get the bread, sauce, cheese, and pepperoni inside. They had a test on it in 2014. People liked it, but they put it inside a building to simulate 100 degrees, and it turned brown. It was still edible. It just looked fucking horrible, so they didn't, they got rid of it. And so they f- did some stuff with it. It was the packaging, and it <clears throat> supposedly is better. So this pizza MRE... Will be limited to pepperoni at first. Will come with cherry or blueberry cobbler, a jalapaho cheese spread, uh, Italian breadsticks, cookies, and chocolate protein powder drip mix. And I'm going to play five minutes of a 15 minute MRE review somebody did on it because this is like finding a unicorn. I told the wife, I will go to the commissary. And wait till that motherfucker shows up on the shelf because they sell MREs for an outrageous like nine bucks, um, <clears throat> and maybe a pizza MRE will get in there. If not, I'll go out and just panhandle outside the front gate till I get one. Because this was a survey I took as a private in the eighties. We all said pizza. It has taken fucking thirty eight fucking years to get there, or what? What is it? Yeah, thirty eight fucking years, which is well, I guess it'd be thirty years for me. Um, it, it's it's fucking awesome. I'm followed up with a sip of this chocolate protein drink. Oh, wow. That is an overpowering, slight chemical flavor with a chocolatey cheapness overtone. That's the only way I can put it. That doesn't taste very normal. All right, so let's check out this Italian breadstick. One without cheese first. There's a light sweetness to that. It's very soft. It almost seems malleable. Kind of doughy. Could you roll this into a ball? Yeah, you practically can. Look at that. It has like the texture of sliced white bread. Light flavor of onion, oregano, and again, basil. It's a really nice imitation breadstick. It's the closest that you're going to get to one in a ration. Wow. This is genius. With the jalapeno cheese spread, I feel like my head's going to explode. This is so much flavor. The jalapeno, it's a little bit spicy with that creamy, artificial cheese. I could eat these so fast. This requires very little effort to chew. You don't have to put the cheese right on. You could have the cheese in one hand, squeeze it out, and eat the cheese with each bite of this. 
if you're on the go. It wouldn't be too difficult to do. I think this is ready. Oh yeah, that's nice and hot. Wow. A perfect flameless ration heater. Here's the pizza. 30 years in the making. Oh, that smells like some freshly heated up frozen pizza. Look at that. Got the fresh pack. Look at that pepperoni. Some chunks and then some flat slices up there. And the cobbler. Wow, that was definitely the thing to do, heating it up. Look at that. A sweet and inviting smell of primarily cherry. Here's the grand finale. This is better than some frozen pizza out there. Oops, cheese went in the cobbler. Speaking of the cheese, this is a special mozzarella put in an FRH and it can't melt. You put it in the microwave or the oven, it'll burn before it melts. Little pieces of pepperoni. What the fuck did I just play? I, I never listened to that. If I ever sound like that geek ball, I, I, w I want anybody out there to send me an email at foppodcast at gmail.com. I'll meet you wherever. I want you to beat me with the fucking shovel. What a fucking geek. Anyway, let's get to our college crazy. It's amazing how Twitter blue checks have jumped to despite the fence of the New York Times. Blah, blah, blah. Here's a cunny professor, C-U-N-Y professor of history, giving us a lecture. But first, let's figure out where he's coming from. No, he's not trying to redefine racism to excuse certain types. Instead, he's taking the same track as New Yorker food correspondent Helen Rosner. If you're sharing that picture compiling Jong's tweets rather than researching her Twitter timeline yourself, you're just a sheep who's been fed some alt-right red meat. So keep that in mind while you're trying to listen to this dumb shit. Angus Johnson is his name. If you're just tisking about the Sarah John compilation screenshot, you're endorsing a deliberate hack job and you're a punk. I think this statement is inappropriate as fine. You're welcome to your opinion. I think these statements are inappropriate as bullshit. There's like a dozen of them. They're all completely different in intent. Most of them were completely stripped of context. If you're going to talk shit about John, go back and do the research yourself. All her tweets are still up. Don't let someone else do it for you. When a moment digging will make it obvious they're not acting in good faith. If you don't know which of John's tweets are delivered, direct parodies of other people's statements intended to expose the faulty of racism through ridicule, what the hell are you doing expressing an opinion on them? You want to have an actual conversation? Pick a tweet. Find that original thread and explain why you think it's bad. Be warned, though, you may actually discover you agree with it and have to go back and find another. Fun fact, literally every person yelling at me about this thread has included this exact same multi-tweet screenshot I spent the thread of criticizing as evidence that I'm wrong. Sounds like he didn't do his research. <clears throat> That's how they excuse it away. 
it's a pounce, it's a seize, it's whatever they want to come up with to explain that. But I think on this show, we proved it. She's a fucking racist. And you can liberally excuse it because you put white instead of black or Latino or woman or gay or trans. Still fucking prejudice. She's a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit for defending her. You're all pieces of shit. UVA professor shows why you're all pieces of shit. Quit program over hiring a former Trump official. Goddamn, can't have it. I quit. Two University of Virginia history professors have resigned from a nonpartisan policy center to protest the center's decision to hire a former Trump administration official as a senior fellow. The professor alleges that Mark Short did not distance himself properly from Trump's controversial remarks in Charlottesville. The Miller Center's director, however, noted that the presidency is a core focus of the institution and that Short can offer valuable insights on the topic based on his experience as a high-ranking White House official. It has nothing to do with Charlottesville. It has to do that you're a bigot. How do I know? It's left-thinking UVA Dean attacked on Twitter for having a GOP friend. Oh, my God. Who are you to have that person as a friend? The Dean of the Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia recently issued an apology for those he had offended with a tweet congratulating a childhood friend on becoming the state's Republican candidate for governor. Charles Davis faced an intense backlash from liberals accused Davis of being a racist, blind to his own privilege, for daring to suggest that Brian Kemp is a nice guy. I have total proof of all this. I can't read any more fucking liberal tweets today. I just can't fucking do it. That Sarah Jong thing has just hurt my pancreas, so we're just going to move on. Penn State hires admin to oversee alumni donor diversity. Talk about white privilege. If you can't take money from white people and you're just waiting for black people to come in, wow! Doesn't that blow your... Isn't it free money? Don't you just want the money? Hmm. But, that's not crazy. This, this is moonback crazy. Alt-Left Insanity article from MRC. Vegan eco-feminist resist violence against... Female animals. That's right. You're taking your feminist intersectionality 101. Save the planet and only women. Got it. It's a pressing question. Why are three out of four American vegans women? Well, women are more verbal than men, and vegans won't shut up about being vegan. Or it's just that men really are smarter? I kid, I kid, because I love it. Because I have a hard time taking seriously this alternate article. Here's why our food systems are a central feminist issue. In it, Melissa Kravitz, who's, for the record, like steak just fine, explores the intersection of veganism and feminism. The intersection exists as rather heavily trafficked imaging. Imagine lots of Priuses and Subarus with coexist and dog mom stickers. Some really smug bicyclists. There's a store selling crystals and self-care products on one corner. For some feminists, especially those who might identify as eco-feminists, veganism is inextricably linked to feminism. <clears throat> From this oppression, or excuse me, perspective, the oppression of women is tied to other forms of oppression, particularly the abuse of the environment and non-human animals. The seminal thinking in this area was done by Carol Adams in her landmark 1990 book that you've never fucking heard of, The Sexual Politics of Meat, a feminist vegetarianism critical theory. 
a real page-turner, Anne Smith, author of The Fun Feminist. I laugh, I cried, I felt like a man again. Renee Richard, <coughs> Renee Richards, why the hell did that get in there? I don't know what that's there for. And then a thrill-a-minute Magnus Opus, Adams makes the case that eating an animal for food and first seeing the animal as an object, Cohen says, akin to how women are also objectified, sexualized, animalized, degraded, hurt, and sometimes killed. So feminists who are vegan generally regard their decisions around food to be a certain kind of protest and resistance to all form of violence and cruelty, which is why they're famous for their devil-may-care breeziness. I can't read any more of that. Wow. Yeah. It even goes into men are horrible because they eat meat. You know what? I'm glad I married a woman that likes steak. That's all I got to say. Salon writer, the Catholic Church is too Catholic. I'm just going to let it sit there. Think about that statement for a second. You fucking people. But then there's another one. Salon writer, again, claims abortions are great for the family. Yeah. In addition to field trips and picnics, some liberals in the media are considering new ways of building family spirit, like abortion. Abortion can be very good for families, according to salon writer Mary Elizabeth Williams. If you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag. She wrote in an article posted August 1st that the majority of women who have abortions are already mothers and gave the apparent reason for why the choice is so important. Williams apparently had the anti-choice movement, a.k.a. pro-life movement, stumped right off the bat when she pointed out that 59% of abortions in 2014 were obtained by patients who have had at least one birth. And 24% of women of abortion identify as Catholic. This was because apparently the anti-choice movement sees their enemy as that selfish, reckless young woman who believes in abortion out of convenience. She based this notion off of one priest who said something about convenient abortions once. After proving that women who have held their child in their arms are willing to kill their child in their womb, Williams gave the reason why abortions are in fact good for families. Williams claims that without it, some women's lives would be unimaginable to actually care for what you made and talked about how it's necessary sometimes the safety of the mother. This was particularly directed against the Catholic Church, which Williams argues wants to prohibit a mother from trying not to die so she can raise her children. It's a classic and ill-informed argument seeing that church allows treatment to save the mother, either they will result in the death of the unborn child or Williams, the importance of abortion was all about the choice of the mother. I'm a mother who supports choice, she said, and who wants my teenage daughters to have the freedom to choose when and if they have children. In condemning mood, she stated, what saddest would deprive any other woman of the right answers. The same people who supported the right of your daughter before they were born. For Williams, her friends' choices to abort were all deeply personal and all made thoughtfully because no one has any better sense of their private needs and those of their families than they do. In fact, for a lot of women, abortion makes their future families possible. It just cuts away some children who would have added to the family and had families of their own. That's all. Just a thought. Would Williams like to explain how those friends of hers explained to their children why they made it and their dead brothers or sisters didn't? Good question. Doesn't matter. It's all political. Use birth control for fuck's sake. I married a smoking hot lady and on our first date we had sex and we paused. Do you have protection? I'm on the pill. Went at it. I hadn't been laid lately. I was 18, so come on! Transgender woman kills her own grandmother with a knife. 
Then the media decides she's a man. Yeah, the entire article is a man killed the grandmother. Not a woman, but it was a man wanting to be a woman. Yeah, okay. Queerities, our next article. Hate wins. Court rules in favor of a woman who went on a transphobic rampage at Planet Fitness. Queerity reports. It all started back in 2015. When Carmier saw a trans woman in the locker room, we covered this story and went to the case. I'm not going to read the rest of it. The court sided with that woman. That that was bullshit. And that Planet Fitness didn't do anything because they did not have a judgment-free bathroom. You had to be male or female. Get off yourself. There are other things. Correct headline. Consent wins. Court support right of women to change clothes without men observing them. And that's the way it should be looked at. New York Times theater critic bows and scrapes over transphobic review. A long, drawn out, not going to read it, but they are just saying everything's great. Look at them. Transgender, 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 transgender. Okay. It's been a while since we first saw news of Barbie doll compete, complete with hijab, modeled after Olympic fencer Labitha Mohammed, who hated America, who's now a sports ambassador of the U.S. State Department. The doll was unveiled, no pun intended, last November at Glamour's Women of the Year Live Summit as the latest edition of Mattel's Shiro line. Get it? Female heroes? Shiro. In any case, that is so fucking gay. The doll is old news, but CNN is now on the case and really seem to be enamored with the thing. Here's CNN's tweet with a video that I'm not going to play. For the first time ever, Barbie's wearing a hijab. The new doll is modeled after Olympic fencer Hijabamamamad and is part of a broader effort by Mattel to diversify the Barbie line. CNN also published an opinion piece by Muhammad last week in which she explained what it means to be an American. We'll break it down. I love my country, but I don't recognize it today. Not in the Supreme Court ruling upholding the travel ban, not in the Supreme Court nominee potentially engineered to undo reproductive choice, access to health care, and the Russian investigation, not in the family separation detention policy, not in our move to initiate trade wars and really against breastfeeding and the World Health Organization, not in the abandonment of all allies and basic decency and how we treat other humans, which surmises that I really don't love my country. Okay. This article continues. Here's the thing. We don't begrudge any woman who chooses to volunteer to wear a job, but CNN's editorial stance has been kind of weird. Last April, the network did a feature on rap video by Mona Haydar and her crew swagging with their hijab. Actual tweet, CNN. Yo, what's your hair look like? Women rap against intolerance. Here's my question. Barbie hijab. Rapping about hijab. The hijab is an oppressive symbol that clerics in the Middle East used to not let women be seen for fuck's sake. You're like making arguments for fucking burkas. And you think that's cool because you're so PC, you've lost what the hijab is. It restricts a woman's rights. I'm a conservative white piece of shit dude. I am everything evil on CNN, MSNBC, Chuck Todd. And I can see the hijab is not a good thing. But you people, because you always side with our enemy, and at this time it is Islamic extremism, you're going down with them that it's all good to cover up your woman. Let that happen to the white guy in the trailer park and his wife beater where he makes his wife walk around with a cover, and you do a totally different piece, CNN, 
because you're a fucking piece of shit. So that ends our news and social media nuggets. We're going to go into a soundbite, lighter fare. I'm going to mute the music as we go into it. It is Jim Acosta whining, and somebody put this shit to music. And I, I almost peed myself. Enjoy. Unfortunately, you know, our job as journalists, as you know, Brooke, is we have to call that stuff out. We have to fact check them. We're fact checkers in real time uh, dealing with this president because he tells falsehoods and lies so much. Uh, and, you know, it, it's unfortunately the position that we're all in Say right now. Something uh, and, and I'm standing in this briefing room right now. There is no government official here. But I'll say uh, that the press is not the enemy of the people. And, you know, I think uh, we should uh, make some bumper stickers, uh, make some buttons. Uh, You know, maybe we should go out on Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, like these folks who chant CNN sucks and uh, fake news. Maybe we should go out, all all journalists should go out on Pennsylvania Avenue and chant, we're not the enemy of the people. Because uh, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. It is not right. It and is not I fair, it is not just, it is un-American I'm to come out so here small. and call the press the enemy. It was over my head. Fucking epically awesome. Our next one is a fantastic one. Uh, yesterday, a bunch of protesters climbed the Statue of Liberty. CNN got all wet in their panties and ran over there and filmed it. Thought it was the greatest thing. And then they spoke. And... I don't think they like America. America! 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 I made a song. If it fits you, so it. If it doesn't... America, you motherfuckers! You trust You KKK, you fascist USA! America! You motherfuckers! You drug addicts! You can't get your fascist USA. I'll say it one more time. America, you motherfuckers, you drug addicts, you can't get your fascist USA. Wow. That can't be great right there. I, I Either they don't know what motherfucker is or else they really hate America. So why are you protesting immigration to a country that's motherfuckers, uh, KKK, drug addicts? What did you say? Ah, Jesus, that is just a fucking train wreck. Then uh, Zach in Tennessee sent me a funny one this morning. I, 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 I fucking live here and I don't even know, but teens charged after manual transmission thwarts Nashville carjacking. Two teenagers arrested after attempting to carjack two vehicles in Green Hills on Tuesday evening. Suspects 15 and 17 tried to steal... A car of a woman parked in the Hill Center parking garage at Hillsboro Pike around 6.20 p.m. Metro Police escorted, reported they ran up to the vehicles, one on each side, opened the doors and yelled for her to get the fuck out. Then they tried to pull her out of the car, but she screamed and held down her car horn, causing them to run off. The victim sustained minor injuries in the struggle, but not need to be taken to the hospital. An hour later, the teens approached a woman walking to her car on a Kroger parking lot on 21st Avenue South. They grabbed her keys out of her hand, jumped in her vehicle, but ran away after they were unable to drive a manual transmission. Short time later, officers spotted the teams, arrested them for robbery and carjacking, and that is some karma right there. Mmm. Fucking karma. Now, 
I always end with the serious, and I think this soundbite sums up my theory of media bias and what's wrong with our country. And it's a thesis statement. I mean, this is just like a thesis. This is awesome. This is Ann Navarro talking about how CNN, who she works for, even though she was a Republican, all right, how they try to try to say non-biased. And she's arguing with uh, McCain. And, and I, I heard this soundbite and just said, boom, there it is. Uh, the media being the enemy. Um, I don't agree with that terminology because I use the word enemy for things like ISIS, for things people that are trying to inflict mm-hmm. harm on the United States of America. But I will say when you're talking about media coverage and liberal media bias, it's something that's real and really exists. Pew Research said in uh, 2012, Obama had 39% positive coverage compared to Romney's 3%. So I would rather have a conversation about why Republicans don't have the same kind of fair and balanced media coverage than Democrats do than automatically jumping to terminology like enemy. But Megan, the, the Republicans have a station that's dedicated to so their propaganda. CNN. Fo- yeah. no, it, that is not C- true. CNN, CNN. Listen, CNN tries to be very balanced. CNN has commentators on like me and every time I'm on, I'm on against somebody that is defending Trump. So, I mean, MSNBC where you worked once, well, um, you a might want to say very, it's... A very, long time okay, ago. Okay, but it was part of your don't, history don't and something you should be... I'm uh, just, I'm just well, you just came for CNN I, knowing I, I'm a CNNer. I, I wasn't directed at you. As usual, this is our last show. I've really enjoyed this season. This is the last show since we go on break. I am not interested in sort of re- redoing uh, arguments you and I have had, Anna. We vastly look at this differently. I, I do think I represent a lot of Republicans in the country who think CNN. And by the way, Jake Tapper is one of the best journalists in the country. It's not all that. But CNN does have a bias among Trump supporters and Republicans. Thanks to the one well, lady listen, who's yeah. clapping in the but room. But you agree that Jake Fox Tapper also is has a hell of a bias. journalist. Of Anderson Fox Cooper is a hell of a but journalist. But Fox is popular because yeah. it's one network. Yeah. I used to work Fox. there as well and for Fox many does years. Have a bias. She admits that. I mean, I, uh, yes, of and so MSNBC, where you worked, work, does work, not have a bias? I also worked at Fox News. I worked right. at both. That one has okay? a bias. And we know that. We've okay. established that. Why are yes. you relitigating my career right now? Why and now I'm on ABC. Because you're a bell, CNN, which is my you know, career. Before we said we're talking about Where's the bell? No, forget yeah, the bell. We don't need the bell. And by the way, I like the bell. Before we were talking. Our last tidbit, it's a local thing. I don't want to be like uh, Saturday Night Live and do shit about New York that nobody fucking cares about because you don't live there. But I think this is nationwide. And when I woke up the next morning and saw the results of the runoffs for November's election, you know, it sounded like the Democrats were going to take everything. And, you know, in our neck of the woods, Carl uh, Dean is like the shoe-in to be governor, and he's a great guy, and all you heard about was that. But this Bill Lee guy who owns a company beat out Diane Black, which was surprising, um, and won it. But once again, it was portrayed like, well, he ain't got a chance in hell because there's just this blue wave coming at us. It's just like blue tide of Democrat democracy and the people will take it back and those deplorables will go away and our country will be beautiful again and we'll stop screaming, yelling and burning shit down. So Bill Mitchell does a tweet and my mind just goes, boom. Are you serious? Tennessee primary turnout, Republican votes. 786,000 Democrat votes, 369. Pollsters have Democrats winning the Senate seat in the state. Mathematically impossible, but they'll swear to it all day long. And it's true. 
It's like, this is how it's portrayed in our media. You really believe that there's no fucking way conservatives can win. And you're surprised when conservatives win. Because the media always portrays it. My theory, of course, is to keep people from voting. It's an, it's a, you know, it's just, it is inevitable that Democrats will be in power. But that's double the votes. And it doesn't even count. You know, not a lot of people vote in these things. They just don't. They wait till the general. So I, I, I thought that was some really neat information. And it wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOP podcast gmail.com you can get this show on soundcloud podcast addict tune in radio google play itunes blueberry and stitcher make sure you check out the flyover politic webpage at f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t.com fop podcast.com it's a theme to see links to feeds for the show links to our facebook page and email us there you also see a link to every episode on the episode release page we're looking at a podcast on 10 august year of our lord 28 I got fishing to do. Sorry. I, I got the boat back. I'll be fishing Monday and Wednesday and doing projects Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, and start getting back out in the workforce. I'm going to start looking for a job. I, I got <clears throat> vacation in September, but I want to start pedaling. Uh, once again, I talked about it a couple podcasts ago. I had a couple jobs, uh, accepted a job at the post office. They've never called me back. And I turned down a $50,000 a year job just because I just couldn't work there. And the wife didn't want me. So um, I'm still at the house playing homebody, enjoying it, get things done, cleaning things up, and, and being a good little house mother. I'm cooking and cleaning and doing that stuff. But got to get back out in the workforce, get something going on uh, after September. So we're going to start that. But I figure I'd give it some time till Friday uh, to kind of like marinate some stuff, you know, get some good subjects, maybe pick up a couple more uh, faux outrages because I'm sure they're going to be there. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Have a great work week. Stay cool. I know down in the south we're getting hot again. Um, drink water. Beat the heat. Don't freaking be stupid. And wish me luck, man. I, I went out the other day. Didn't even get a freaking bite. But I didn't get hot. It was a beautiful day. It was 78 degrees on the lake. Um, going to spend two days out there this week. Got every lure in the box. And I am going to freaking catch a fish. Even if it's just a crappy. I'm catching fucking something. So until 10 August. Year of our Lord 2018. Thanks for listening, folks, and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Thank you.